0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones, more with Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, Bill Hastings from the Tulsa World is here as we will get his insights on the Oklahoma Sooners, the Oklahoma Sooners, the Cowboys, and the rest of the Big 12. When Bill joins us, coming up in just a little while from right now. Coach Bo also standing by with the football fix with his weekly picks against the spread and a comprehensive look. Uh, around the world of college football and the National Football League. Uh, We'll also be bringing you our Big 12 Breakdown segments, uh, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week, coming up at the end of the show. Thomas Bridges is here with me, as always, as well. Uh, Tom, so much to get to. Football officially back. College football, great first weekend. And the NFL in store this weekend, beginning tonight with the Chiefs and Lions. I'm fired up, and I got to tell you, uh, the highlight of my weekend was just seeing with Colorado and what Dion Coach Prime, put together and everything that unfolded there. I mean, that got me ready to run through a brick wall. I'm all in on the Dion drain. I'm rooting him on. What what a great story uh, to see that unfold and the start of a beginning of a new era of uh, not just for colorado and for coach prime but really for college football Dion's doing it his way and i'm all here for it
1: yeah and so am i to be honest um uh, i mean that was you know i will say that was one of the better games that i've seen and you know i I was here for the FSU LSU game. Like I was there for it. Like that was a great game as well. And not because it was close because it wasn't, but just the energy behind that game was so good. The TCU game, the TCU Colorado game felt like an old Big 12 shootout. And it was incredible. The other great game I thought was Tech Wyoming. Um, you know, it so yeah you, you featured two big 12 teams at least there and obviously you got Wyoming in the mix probably should not have won tech was kind of a dark horse and thought high of and they kind of shit the bed but those two games were in my opinion the most two entertaining games of the weekend
0: yeah I was at the uh OU Arkansas State game and that one got out of hand pretty quick but I gotta say I still enjoyed watching Dylan Gabriel and uh, Jackson Arnold. Uh, you know, it, OU put out a good product. wasn't uh, wasn't their fault that Arkansas State didn't show up. But oh, yeah, Butch Jones was having a hell of a time. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if he was smoking cigars in the locker room this time. Probably not. No. <laughs> as uh, as in, he was in Oklahoma, so maybe something else. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, when he was at Alabama, smoking those cigars as an offensive analyst beating Tennessee. I mean, it doesn't get any more low than that. Like, what a loser, Butch Jones. I mean, hey, you got to take what you can get. I mean, like all those guys on the opposite side, you recruited at Tennessee, and you're going to celebrate a win that you really had nothing to do with smoking cigars in the locker room. Like, get the hell out of here. Like, Butch Jones sucks. Uh, I was I was glad that OU stomped on his ass and, and got that win. Uh, Sooners looked good. They were impressed. But for me, the story is just Dion, and you know, afterwards, he he's in the locker room, and you know, his speech was was just had me fired up. Him confronting Ed Warner uh, of ESPN, although kind of odd, I, I'm not going to hate it. Uh, in all honesty, I mean, D- Dion is who he is, and there's nobody like Coach Prime. I I cannot wait to see what else he has up his sleeve. Like this week, you know the TCU thing was a big deal. Now you get to this week, playing an arch rival in Nebraska. First game at Folsom Field, tickets are going for four hundred bucks a piece just to get in the building. I would love to be on a, a fly on the wall in Boulder this weekend. That's going to be an atmosphere. Oh, yeah, and
1: and I even watched some ESPN stuff on, like, how hype it is supposedly supposed to be. Um, I mean, Jones, I don't know about you, um, and I haven't even looked at the pick to be honest with you, Um, but honestly, I, I can't not take Colorado here. Right? I mean, like, I got to ride the train. I mean, Nebraska's not worth the fuck.
0: Like, like, I'm riding the train. I laughed hysterically with Nebraska collapsing in classic uh, Nebraska fashion last week. Oh, I mean, yeah.
1: And we were, I mean, I was rowing the boat at the end of that game. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's. I like it's almost, a, it's almost a sick joke. And I feel for Nebraska fans because they are in OSU terms loyal and true. But damn, if OSU I mean, and OSU had me drunk as a skunk last week, yelling and ready to drive to Stillwater and fire Casey Dunn myself. I was ready to January sixth, Casey Dunn.
0: Oh <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been ready to January sixth, Casey Dunn, for quite some time now. Um, but that being said, like, Oh my God, can you imagine being a Nebraska fan? You live there.
0: It's a cult up there. Uh, it, ha-
1: it have to be,
0: they're very nice people. Um, you know, it's, I'll say this about Nebraska fans, Tom, like I respect the passion and loyalty that they have that program because that program does not deserve that fan base. Um uh, no. Not at all. And and watching that game Thursday night, like, I'm sitting here, I'm saying to myself, like, here we go again. You know, Matt Rule, I I like. I think he's a good head coach. I think he was the right hire for Nebraska. But, I mean, same song, 15th verse again, Nebraska find a way to choke. And I think they'll make it interesting with Colorado. I don't think Colorado blows them out. Uh, Remember, Nebraska's had a few extra days off. uh, But – I'm telling you, it's it's an exciting time for the Colorado Buffaloes. And the NFL coming back this weekend, Tom, like, I am – I don't know about you. I, yeah, what are you doing all weekend? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot going on. But I am taking a a fantasy football sabbatical this year. I'm not playing fantasy.
1: Good for you. I need a year. I'm, I'm not – I'm being serious. Good for you.
0: I just want to enjoy the games. I want to root for my team. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, is, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Is Cooper cup playing this week or not? Which he's not, Like, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to sit here and have to worry about that. I just want That's to like, watch. is Travis Kelsey playing this week? Is, is, you know, if I were in a dynasty league, for example, like, Oh, is, is, uh, When's Chris Jones going to get this contract or Nick Bosa? Like, I'm, I don't know. Oh,
1: did I did I fuck up and draft Jonathan Taylor? Like, and you did. Uh, I, don't I wanna, did, yeah. In one of my five fantasy leagues. So let me go
0: vomit real quick. I don't want to deal with that. I just want to enjoy the games and, and be invested in the product that is. Like, you know, we don't play fantasy with college football. And man, I like college football better than the NFL. So I'm not playing fantasy this year. But I'm very excited for what's ahead. And, I mean, there's a lot of different directions we could go, Tom. But I I feel like the number one story entering the 2023 season is the Aaron Rodgers circus heading to the New York Jets. We spent three straight off seasons speculating, wondering about Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. And how upset he was ever since they drafted Jordan Love and the decisions that that organization made. And finally, here we are, Aaron Rodgers with a chance to prove himself, to do his own thing, to take New York by storm. I mean, Tom Brady leaving New England to go to Tampa Bay was a big deal. And for him to get that ring and all that was something else. But considering how much, how long the drama was of Brady and Green Bay, I mean, call me crazy. This feels even bigger than when Brady left New England for me just because this has been in the making for how many years now?
1: I mean, I can see that. I'm not ready to call it bigger than Tom Brady leaving Green Bay or Tom Brady leaving New England just because Tom Brady leaving New England felt to me, even though I was not a Tom Brady fan, To me, that felt like Tim Duncan leaving the Spurs.
0: I mean, I'll say this. Brady left New England with really nothing to prove. He felt that way, but he really had nothing to prove. I feel like Rodgers, with only one ring at this point, actually has something to prove here. Rodgers wants to submit his legacy in that upper echelon and and – and show that Green Bay held him back. I, I think that's the difference here. Is that Rogers actually has something to prove here? Okay, okay, that's
1: okay. I can. Oh, that's fair. I, and I think you're right. I think, I think Roger. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little bit more vindictive than Tom Brady could have ever been. Leaving, you know, leaving um, New England. New England like and, and and rightfully so because Tom Brady's like, well, fuck it. I gave you guys everything and you guys have what? Seven titles because of me. So, if, uh, if you don't like it, eat shit. I did what I needed to do and I'm going to, you know, enjoy my career and do whatever the hell I want to do. Yes. Now, Rodgers on the other hand, I
0: uh, Let me stop you there. I don't
1: think any, I don't think anybody from New England hates Tom Brady. I mean, I went to a Tampa Bay game and there were people with half Patriots, half tampa bay game, you know jerseys
0: hold on hold on let me stop here for a second here uh, on on the rogers front too like comparably speaking if let's just say for example if brady would have gone to tampa bay and would have been bad the entire time we still would have said you know what he got old he was in his 40s he's still the greatest of all time if rogers doesn't work out in, in new york People are going to be on his throat, on his ass, and will never live it down. There's much more at stake, I would say, for Rodgers going to New York than there ever was with Brady going to Tampa Bay.
1: I mean, yeah, but at the same time, that's because Brady had all those Super Bowls. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Rodgers is a little bit more vindictive because he's got,
0: in his mind, something to prove,
1: which rightfully so.
0: Yes. Definitely. That's the biggest storyline that that has my attention is Rodgers and the New Jets uh, just as a whole. Haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. And what can Rodgers do to get them back to where they want to go? What do you think, Tom, is the biggest storyline, the biggest thing you're following heading into the NFL season here?
1: I don't know, man. You, you make a great point saying the Jets. I mean, I think that was the earliest storyline, you know, I think maybe the next storyline is, if you want to go not not conducive to any team right here, uh, and Jones, we saw this, we didn't see as big of a change, because there wasn't that big of an outroar, there wasn't, you know, teams didn't start paying all-star centers in the NBA lesser money, we are seeing a changing of the guard, kind of, kind of like we saw in the NBA where it was a center dominated league for so long. And then Steph Curry came in and Steph Curry, the league to where it's major three point shooting. Now that was more of a, um, undercover transition. Now I feel like this is the, like the main year where it's a big deal. Where like, you can be, you know, you can be fucking Adrian Peterson, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, uh, You know, you could be Jim Brown. You can be the second coming of the fridge. um, And, and you know what, we're going to pay your first contract and we're not really going to, we're not paying you a gazillion dollars anymore. We'll, we'll pay a gazillion dollars to Nick Bosa and we'll pay a gazillion dollars to, to Patrick Mahomes. And we'll pay a gazillion dollars to, uh, you know, a top tier wide receiver, but you know, you could be the best running back in the league and, You know, we're not we're not going to pay you anything. So I think on a broad level, not a team focused level, um, I think the biggest storyline of maybe even the next three years is uh, it's acceptable now to say in the NFL that even though you're a superstar running back, we're not paying you shit. You know, from now on out, it will be interesting in the coming years how that position changes all the way down to Pop Warner football. Like oh, yeah. all the way down to, oh, would I rather have my kid play quarterback or running back or wide receiver or linebacker or defensive end? Like, a lot of these dads and he, just parents in general or it might be like, well, my kid has real talent. We're not going to let him play running back
0: because
1: he's not going to get paid worth the shit.
0: Right, and then what if the coach wants to put him at running back and he's like, no, I want to play receiver. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, think about Debo Samuel was – very adamant like hey i gotta stop playing running back here for the niners like you gotta go bring in mccaffrey and do all that because i want to play a long time i can't be doing this Uh, right you can't run body down he he was absolutely right so yeah that, that that's something to follow i mean it's a quarterback league i mean uh we're seeing teams like if if you don't have the franchise guy then you're drafted until you get the franchise guide. You got to have a Burrow, a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Jalen Hurts, and Aaron Rodgers, or you're nothing in this league anymore. And it's a quarterback-driven league. So, yeah, that's a good point. Another thing I'll say, uh, one of my, my top headlines going into this year, Tom, is back to the, the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They've won you know, two Super Bowls now in the last four years. They've been to five straight AFC championship games right there in uh, their own stadium. And here they are at the beginning of the season already faced with adversity. Doesn't sound like Travis Kelsey is playing tonight. Uh, you know, at the time of this recording, Chris Jones does not have a new contract. He says he could be ready to go and play tonight if, uh, if he did have said contract. Uh, But with that said, with speculation about him being potentially traded and Chris Jones and uh, Travis Kelsey with his injury, I mean, stakes are high and it's a tough road ahead for the Chiefs to repeat. You know, even with all that being said, you have number 15 under center, you're going to have a chance to win every game no matter what. But it's not like the Chiefs were by far the best team in the league last year. The Eagles had a better roster than them in the Super Bowl. The Bengals were just as good. The Bills were a good team. I mean, everybody's picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl again, and and we'll reveal our Super Bowl picks here in just a second. But I say all this to say it's easier said than done. For this kind of foregone conclusion that people are pointing to, that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl again, and that that's the dynasty and all that, slow your roll here. I mean, yes, they should be favored. I think two things can be true at once. The Chiefs should be favored, yes, but their path, their road to get there is going to be extremely difficult. Everything still has to go through, you know, their way, and they're going to have to overcome some adversity right away. They're going to be tested immediately.
1: Oh, well, I mean, yeah, and they're obviously going to have their target on their back as the Super Bowl champs, and,
0: you know, we've seen how hard it is to
1: repeat as Super Bowl champions, I mean, it was the last one to do it. The Patriots, you know, what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Yeah, uh, it's not easy to do. You know, we've seen it in the NBA a couple times or well, several times, but not so easy to do it. And and I think we're seeing a little fallout. Maybe is Chris Jones holding out because, hey, hey, motherfucker, I'm Super Bowl champion and I need more money and I'm you know, I've gotten all this hype in the off season, and I'm supposedly the best defensive tackle in the league, and I'm better than Aaron Donald ever was, and I need all this money. Um, I think that's a little bit of it. Um, and if he was, you know, true, you know, he's got what now? Two rings or just one? Got yeah, two. So yeah, I mean, he's he's Gucci. Go get your money, Chris Jones. Um, you know, do you need three? Do you? at this point is chris jones a hall of famer if he was to let's say have two uh pretty good years and make you know defensive all te- like all defensive nfl teams in the next two years is he a hall of famer
0: jones is a first team first bout hall of famer right now four time pro bowler he's been an all pro he's got two rings he's a hall of famer so at that point i think
1: i'm not i'm not disagreeing with him go get your money Go get your money. And I think that's maybe what he thinks too. Cause, like, what else does he have to prove? You know? Yeah. And he, he's still, he's still at the top of his game right now, arguably. So I get where he's coming from. So, but to your point too, it's going to be a little bit harder for the Chiefs. You know, you got Travis Kelsey aging. Um, You know, Mahomes is still going to be good. I think, I, I do like, I do like what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball with you know, some other players, but you know, you're gonna run into this being so successful and it's so hard to repeat.
0: Absolutely. Uh easier said than done. With that said, let's uh give our our Super Bowl and our uh MVP picks. Uh Tom, I I can't not pick Mahomes to win the MVP. I think that's kind of too easy. I gotta go Mahomes to win the MVP. Uh, Who is your uh, your MVP pick?
1: I I want to be different than you, and I can't be because Mahomes has the league on lock, But for the hmm. for the sake here's here's what I'm going to do for the sake of being different. And this and Mahomes could still Mahomes, could still win the MVP, and this not be true. <laughs> um, or my Super Bowl pick you know doesn't have to be the team that the mvp's on i don't I, I haven't looked at the stats at how that works out yet but the team that has the mvp how many times do they go to super bowl uh i want to see that i'd like to see that stat i don't have time really to look it up
0: happened last year
1: yeah so and then the year before that i don't know who won the mvp because the rams won the super bowl and it wasn't a rams player uh Roger. So, VP the two years prior to that and did not get to- uh, lost to San Fran in Green Bay. What a loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, probably why the Rams won the Super Bowl because they probably wouldn't have won in Green Bay, but get to um, the- all right. That being said, I'm gonna take for whatever, for what it's worth, Mahomes won last year.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm gonna run it back. I'm gonna go. Josh Allen this year.
0: Okay. Um, another name I'd throw out as a as a good X factor, a dark horse for MVP, don't rule out Justin Jefferson. This guy had nearly 2,000 yards last year, and he's far the best receiver on his team. Thielen's not there anymore. Um, you know, like he and Jamar Chase, I think, are close talent-wise, but Jamar Chase is in a loaded receiver room. When's the with- last
1: time a receiver won it? Calvin Johnson, maybe? Never won the MVP. Yeah. Uh, and Cooper Cup was a triple crown winner. Yeah. And yeah. his team won the Super Bowl. He didn't win it. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. As a dark horse, he could be. I don't think Justin Jefferson had more yards last season than Cooper Cup did because Cooper Cup was about to break the record. Yeah. So, so he- it would be tough, but it, it would. I think it would take a little subpar play from everybody else, but I'm not ruling that out either.
0: If Justin Jefferson like gets over two thousand yards, you know, breaks a record, it's going to be tough to not give him the MVP. So if he
1: if he breaks the record and gets like a triple crown, yeah,
0: yeah, we'll see. Uh, Super Bowl pick, Tom. I'm going to go with my official Super Bowl pick for 2023. I have the Kansas City Chiefs coming out of the AFC, going to their sixth straight AFC Championship game and winning it. And out of the NFC, don't tell my Seahawk friends this, but I look at the 49ers and I see – Oh, see my it. God. Um, and, you know, people point to, well, they don't have their quarterback situation figured out. Brock Purdy did everything he needed to do last year, and he's only going to get better from here. I think Brock Purdy is going to be fantastic. Uh, the Niners – I like them a little bit more than I do the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I thought the the Eagles got a little worse this year, quite frankly, uh, with what they did their roster compared to last year, that they lost a little bit too much. Uh, Eagles still going to be very good, though. I'm going a rematch of the Super Bowl from, what, five years ago. Uh, Chiefs Niners, Chiefs win the Super Bowl again. Not going to be an easy path to get there. But Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones find a way to get the job done. Chiefs over Niners in the Super Bowl. Tom, give me your pick. Jones, I'm going to hit you with a classic.
1: And I'm going to hit you with one that makes me sick on my side. And in no way am I advocating for this team at all. In no way. I I think this team got a lot better. Oh, no. Um, I I know. You're not about I to know say I know I know that's yeah that's that that's that devil's music um dun, dun. <laughs> it's not gonna be the Eagles I think it's so hard for when's the last time a well I can probably guess when the last time a losing Super Bowl team went back to the Super
0: Bowl uh probably the Chiefs uh I'll actually- oh actually No, no, no. no. It was two years later. The Chiefs went back to Super Bowl after they lost the Bucks. Okay, never mind. Continue. But before that, it's been maybe
1: maybe the Patriots and after they lost the Giants, maybe not even that. But I can tell you a team that lost two in a row and went back for a third time and then lost again. And that's the classic matchup I'm talking about. I'm talking about an all time Lakers versus Celtics type shit. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills versus the Dallas Cowboys and give me Josh Allen and crew to get it done. No! You, you, yep. Dallas! No! I, I think this is the year that Dallas gets there and I will level. Oh! I will I will circle the motherfucking wagon if Dallas does it. I will be circle, I will jump right now. You hear me right now. We're taping this on September 6th, 2023. The time is 9:47 that we're taping this. If Dallas makes the Super Bowl against the Bills, I will jump through a folding table with a Josh Allen jersey on. You heard it here first. I'll do it on video live from San Antonio, Texas. I will jump through a table to root on the Buffalo Bills if that is the Super Bowl. little different pick for me. If, if I was rational, I would take Bills-Eagles. I think this is the year the Bills get there. And I'm going to take the Bills to win it against Dallas, only because i, I the hell will fucking freeze over the day that I pick Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl. But I will take them in the Super Bowl to get there. I think this is it. And then after this, they fall apart, and they realize they can't win the Super Bowl because Bills beat the shit out of them. Dak Prescott falls off the face of the earth, and they go back to oblivion for the next 15 years before they get the next third-round Russell Wilson, Dak
0: Prescott-type player. Uh, It might be Trey Lance is already there in the building now.
1: Um, Maybe so. Can you imagine if Dak Prescott gets hurt in the NFC Championship as Niners versus Cowboys and Trey Lance comes out in the second quarter after Dak goes down and beats 49ers in San Fran? Oh, my
0: God. Do they go with Cooper or do they play Trey Lance in that case? Is Cooper Rush still on the roster? He's still the number two quarterback right now.
1: His dad must be giving Jerry Jones money.
0: (laughs) Trey Lance is still learning the offense. Yeah. Um, But let let me ask you this real quick before we move on. Um, The Bills, respectable pick. That goes without saying. Josh Allen, you know, they're going to get Von Miller back. I know he's hurt right now, but he'll be back later in the year. And, you know, we know about Diggs and all those guys. The Bills, you, you don't need to say anything else. But what about the Dallas freaking Cowboys? I, I got to go a little different, man. I got to
1: go a little different. You know what I mean? I'm like, I got I to.
0: I, I cannot put my faith in Mike McCarthy.
1: I think. No, and, and there's no killing more either. But maybe, maybe that's the key, baby. Okay. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm giving it to you as straight as I can here. I, I want to be a little different. There's okay. no money on this, so I'm not losing any money. I mean um, I think I think the year the Rams won the Super Bowl, I was right about that. And I maybe I'm still delusional from the Rams. Maybe I'm still riding that high. I know the Rams aren't going to the Super Bowl this year. You know what? I give me gimme give Dallas to make it, but by God you'll you will you will take me as a fool if you think I'm going to go ahead and, and take um if you think I'm going to take Dallas to win, the son of a bitch. But, um, I, I think this is the, I, I like this as like the, um, kind of like the, the final, the final, like okay, we're finally here, we made it, and then the Bills just to destroy them the way, you know, the Broncos did the Panthers type thing in the Super Bowl.
0: All right. So with that, there's uh, our NFL preview. More to come with uh, Coach Bow coming up later on. Up next is our Big 12 breakdown. Bill Haston on deck as well as uh, we'll get his thoughts on the Sooners and Cowboys and the rest of the Big 12 conference uh, coming up with the uh, Big 12 breakdown here on the Jones Report. Big 12 Breakdown, Tom Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look around the Big 12 Conference as we do each and every week. We begin with our hot takes in the Big 12. And, Tom, I'm going to start out with Dylan Gabriel uh, for my hot take this week. I got to tell you, I know everybody's talking about Jackson Arnold and how well he played when he got to run uh, with the offense in the uh, second half. But I – I keep it real when it comes to Dylan Gabriel, as you guys know, I was very critical of Dylan Gabriel last year. Um, But the efficiency he showed in the offense, the command that he put together, um, he and Jeff Levy are on the same page. He made those receivers look good. I liked what I saw from, from Dylan Gabriel and granted Arkansas State's not that great of a football team, I don't think. And Butch Jones and company, they might be in for a long year. But even with all that said, uh, Dylan Gabriel impressed me. He grabbed my attention, and, and and I think that the Dylan Gabriel that we've seen since the second half of last year until now is a huge step in the right direction. I, I think that Dylan Gabriel's on track to be an NFL quarterback. And Ooh. now, NFL- is he going to play for fucking Dallas or what? <laughs> Quarterback, I use the term loosely. That could mean a career backup. Um, but in the NFL quarterback, nonetheless, I do think he's going to be a pro quarterback. And if we see more of what he did this past week, he might even end up working his way to be a first-round quarterback. I was very
1: oh.
0: – I think Dylan Gabriel has turned that corner, Tom. That's my hot take to Don't let me rub off on you too much taking Dallas.
1: That's <laughs> – <laughs> well, that's hot, baby. That's hot. <laughs> um, Fortune hot. I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't. I don't. I'll, my hot take this week. I gave you one last week, and what did I say last week? I told you that, and and lo and behold, I was halfway wrong, because I said, "All right, everybody, Alan Bowman gets the start in Stillwater." Well, surprise, motherfucker, he did not, <laughs> and much to my surprise, because I was three drinks deep by the time kickoff started and Garrett Wrangell trotted his happy ass out there and I thought oh my god what is going on OSU decided to go ahead and play all three quarterbacks none of them looked horrible none of them looked horrible Garrett Wrangell had one pass where he got hit they got picked off in the first quarter other than that I thought he kind of had a ball on the string a little bit he looked somewhat impressive Gunnar Gundy came in shut the game down at the end of the game. Bowman didn't have a bad game either. I didn't like how they went about it. They didn't have a spring game, so they've been shielded from the media essentially since they shit the bet against Wisconsin in the bowl game. No one has kind of known. We haven't really heard too much from – we haven't even heard too much from um, Robert Allen, who is a, just the biggest loudmouth in Stillwater about this team. Don't get me wrong, love Robert Allen, but he's he's a character, and we okay. haven't even heard a lot from him. And right. if you watch OSU football, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We haven't heard his goofy ass voice about this situation pretty much at all. Um, and in, and in, until you know post game from Learfield Sports, we hadn't heard shit out of Stillwater. So, whatever reason they're keeping it wraps, it's really hard to believe that three quarterbacks are so equal that they haven't decided. I think it is more telling about the lack of football IQ from Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator, than it is that these three quarterbacks are equal. Okay. Um, I, me and Billy talked about it. A friend of the show, Billy Locke, we talked about it. And and to even touch on the Oklahoma State offensive line, Charlie Dickey's group, Charlie Dickey and Casey Dunn could die. And something could happen and they could die. I'm knock on wood. And I hope they don't. but. If something did, I think at this point, OSU is so attached to them that they would build them a statue, and then they'd have the software developers build a Casey Dunn-type chat GPT to call the offensive play still. Okay. Gets um, here. That's how bad. So, hot take this week. They go to the desert and play Arizona State. I'm going to keep going with OSU hot takes. They're going to play – they're going to start Garrett. Rangel, and then they're going to do the second half of Bowman and Gunnar Gundy, and OSU is going to have to sneak out a
0: three-point win in Tempe, Arizona. I'm not putting money on Oklahoma State this week. I can tell you that much. Um, nine thirty West Coast game. I don't pack twelve after dark. Yeah, Big Twelve after dark now. Um, get used to it. I, I by the way. I watched BYU last week. I watched Texas Tech last week. I love this late night window thing that we're about to experience more of. Speaking uh, of BYU, were you that
1: impressed? I was
0: not. You know, I I love their defense. Granted, it was Sam Houston. They're in they're in conference USA now, but I love the defense. The offense, not so much. I expected more out of Slovis. Which leads me to my next question. Um before we break down this week's games, who was the biggest loser last week? Was it, it was Baylor. (laughs) Was it Baylor getting their ass handed them to them by Texas state? Was it TCU losing at home to Dion? I mean, if we're going to be frank, it wasn't a good week for the league last week. BYU didn't look great. Texas didn't look great. I mean, I mean, who was the biggest loser? I mean, Even West Virginia, who we thought was going to be awful, they actually came out looking okay. I mean, they only lost 38-15. to It could have been worse. Uh, And it was a close game in the fourth quarter. I mean, not a great week for the league all around. The biggest loser for me, Tom, I mean, Baylor seems like the easy answer, but Tech, I mean, lose a game you had no business losing. All the hype in the world, primetime game on CBS and you lose to Wyoming, you lost to a quarterback in Andrew Peasley from Grand freaking Oregon as your starting quarterback. I uh-huh. mean, you know <laughs> you know what's funny
1: about that, Jones? I didn't know that, but what's really funny is I somewhat agree with you. I think it's 50-50 Baylor, 50-50 Tech. It was very, very apparent watching that game. Granted, it went to the overtime. It was at Wyoming. That is the highest stadium in D one football in the nation, so I'm sure they were sucking air. You had a but, light play at one point. Yeah, it it, it was spooky. It was exactly. Here, what it was. Here's the funny thing about it, though. I didn't know that quarterback was from Grants, Oregon, and lo and behold, I think, and I think you'll agree with me here, the just how that game went, and how it looked it was very evident that they overlooked Wyoming because they've been looking forward to Oregon this week since last season. I think so. And now they're playing Oregon, and that quarterback that beat them is from Oregon. Right?
0: Yeah. Watch out. Uh, I expect a better game from Tech this week. I mean, they better. I mean, Oregon looked
1: good. Well, it's Portland State, but they beat the dog shit out of them.
0: Yeah, SCS team, but they did. They put a lot of points up. They did. Um, let's go through uh, real fast, uh, one by one, the Big 12 slate this week. Illinois and KU. Uh, KU last week started out a little slow, made some mistakes on defense, but then had a strong second half. Jason Bean got the start with uh, Jalen Daniels out last week, uh, but Jalen Daniels expected to play, had some knee soreness. That held him out last week. I think they held him out as a precautionary measure. Uh, He'll make his season debut. Illinois squeaked out a win at home against Toledo. Two completely different styles here. KU loves to score and score quickly, spread you out. Illinois likes to be physical. They like to play good on defense, uh, tough defense. Their defense didn't play that great last week. I feel pretty good about KU this week, even though they're only a three-point favorite against Illinois on Friday night, Tom. You know, I think I feel pretty good about him, too. I don't,
1: I don't have any qualms um, about picking KU here. I think, I think they can, you know, kind of expound. I think, I mean, you said Jalen Daniels is not back yet.
0: Oh, he is back.
1: No, I mean, so there. I mean, there you go. I, I, I did think though Bean is
0: who's the best backup quarterback in the Big Twelve, and why is it Jason Bean? My it's. Either Jason Bean or Malik Murphy or Jackson Arnold or Arch Manning. No, oh, I didn't. Okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, so KU has Jason maybe Bean the most consistency for... of the quarterback position they've had in years. I'd take Jason Bean over some starters in this league. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have Jason Bean in Stillwater at this point. He, I mean, honestly, Jason Bean was. I mean, really right now yes i mean i think jason bean could have came out and and maybe put up more than uh, you know more than they they would osu would have won by more than 14 against central arkansas but but depends on how the coaching situation is you can
0: tell you can tell i'm pissed
1: off about what happened in stillwater on saturday
0: tom real quick this is how i see this game going the difference in this game KU scores 40. There's no way Illinois can can keep up at that rate. Like, I mean, KU's defense might not be that great, but there's no way that Illinois is going to have the offense to hang with the Hawks. No, I'm I'm thinking – I think you're
1: actually spot on with 40. I'm thinking 40-23 KU.
0: Okay, I'd take that. Uh, Iowa and Iowa State, this game ain't going to be pretty. I lean towards Iowa. They've owned this series. The game is in Ames, but um, – Expect this to be like a 17 to 10 affair. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to be ugly. Um, This is going to be like, you know, a weekend at your in laws. So, who are you thinking? I said Iowa. I took Iowa, but I mean, it's not going to be pretty. You think? I mean, so I'll tell you one of the
1: more shocking teams. We did talk a whole lot of shit on Matt Campbell last week. And I thought from that game that, you know, I thought that that Iowa State command like commandeered that game and had control of that game the entire time. Uh, was actually pretty shocked. What what we both say that we would be shocked that Northern Iowa went and took them out. And yeah. I thought Iowa yeah. State handled themselves pretty well. I wasn't that impressed with Iowa last week either. It it is isn't Ames, if I'm not mistaken. I think – what's the line on the game? Iowa by four. Ooh, okay. So, okay. I got to go by Iowa there. Maybe by Iowa by a touchdown,
0: but not more than that. Um, Baylor and uh, Utah, as uh, we roll through the Big 12 slate here. <laughs> uh, Baylor embarrassing loss last week. Utah strong win with a backup quarterback on the road back-to-back power five games for utah future big 12 matchup here uh utah is by without a doubt the better team and i'm very worried about the baylor bears like i, I think even with a backup quarterback and everything and baylor's playing with a backup too because Bay- blake shapen's out for the next two to three weeks i could see utah just going in and curb stopping baylor uh baylor Last week should have been a wake up call. There, there is no excuse, and, and I'm, I'm starting to have my doubts uh, about Dave Miranda here.
1: I mean, he had what Matt Rolls kids when he first came in, right? And now he's probably been there long enough that you know, okay, he's he's there now. Um, if Utah goes in, and let's say the score is. Let's just call it 45 – let's say a 45-13 Utah, and that's maybe being generous, it was, especially with a backup quarterback. Is Dave Aranda on the hot seat at all? I think he or,
0: is,
1: yeah. I mean, if they go out there and get just kicked in the dick. <laughs> I mean, because here's the deal, Jones. Yeah. So, <laughs> here's the here's the funniest part about Baylor. They take an L against Texas State, had no business. And, and that's not to say that – who was the coach, Spavanagh at Texas State? Used to be, G.J. Kenny former TU quarterback. Oh, that's right. So, they beat Baylor. They're going to have UTSA in a couple weeks, who's not a bad team either. I mean, Texas State's probably not overall a horrible football team. But they go in, they beat Baylor. Baylor's going to go now play Utah. I don't know who Baylor has after Utah, but I know after Utah, the day that I moved to San Antonio, they play Texas at home. They got a
0: island in between.
1: Okay, so they're going to start – they're easily going to start one and three. Yeah. I mean, Dave Miranda's on – like, there's – Unless Baylor – I don't know who the backup quarterback is. Unless they got just an old sum bitch back there that we don't know about that's going to come out and have a Kurt Warner-style game. Um, I mean, I don't think Utah is going to show any mercy either because we knew what Utah was thinking about having to come to the Big 12. Right. This is their first shot at a Big 12 team at home.
0: That's it's, in what- It's going to be worse than Florida for sure. Yeah, game's in Waco, but Utah's had a couple extra days rest with playing on a Thursday night last week. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Real quick, K-State and Troy. K-State won in a shutout last week. Uh, I don't expect K-State to have any problems with Troy. Uh, K-State's only favored by 16 and a half, though. I'd hammer this one. K-State, I think that they're going to win this one going away, and, and Will Howard and company should have a big day.
1: I think so, too. It, that does worry me, though, that it's only 16. Troy is not Troy is not horrible, but 16 points, I'm like, what does Vegas know that we don't? But I still like, I like K-State to cover, though. Yeah.
0: Are you in Southern Utah? Um, FCS opponent at all. I just want to see more offense from BYU. Uh, Keaton Slovis and company. We know the defense played well last week. Let's see that offense get cranking and uh, wake up a little bit here.
1: Yeah, they need to. I mean, you know, you can only play conservative like the Mormons for so long. It's time to wake up, BYU.
0: OU and SMU, OU favored 15 and a half. We mentioned how bad of a team Arkansas State was last week. This is OU's first real test because SMU's well coached. Uh, They got some talent. They're the favorites to win the American Athletic Conference uh, this year. I don't think OU's going to have any problems winning this game. But I do want to see how they fared just playing an actual real opponent. I mean, this is their toughest non-con opponent, uh, without a doubt, uh, in this SMU team here.
1: Yeah, SMU is no BS. I mean, I think 15-and-a-half, kind of like the K-State game. I'm, I would take OU to cover. But, uh, I mean, SMU is feeling real hot and heavy now that they got the ACC invite. So, where's the is the game in Fort Worth? uh
0: games in norman
1: oh, okay yeah i you know if i was a betting man or if it was legal here i'd probably i'd probably throw 25 on ou west
0: virginia and decane. um by the way decane doesn't even look like the word decane. uh I, yeah i want to I, they need to use that for the the script spelling b and we like fix the spelling of decane. uh i can't take a school seriously that has a name like that uh, <laughs> better than advertised better than I thought they would be Um, go ahead and you know go show, show that last week uh, if they play like they did in those first three quarters then they should win this one going away
1: I mean yeah I mean there's I mean you said it you know D- Duquesne that doesn't even make sense. Now, if that was like a f- name of a fancy liquor, then okay, you might be able to get away with it. But this is a college university. Uh, and if we didn't know better, I can guarantee you both of us before off record have said Disqueen. This Disqueen. This yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Before we got it's like someone saying, it's like somehow someone like on NBA TV would maybe mispronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo.
0: I think we should intentionally call them the in person. The yes. Yes. Um, Pitt in Cincinnati. That might be a future big 12 game after the ACC implodes. Um, Cincinnati seven and a half point dog on the road. Cincinnati looked really good last week. Um, Emory Jones was fantastic. Uh, Pitt's not a bad team. Uh, you and I were not very high on Cincinnati entering the year, but, uh, really good test here if uh they play like they did last week then, then they'll have a shot yeah
1: I think they do have a shot I mean I'm if I was a betting man again though i w- I wouldn't probably touch this game but if I had to I'm probably gonna take you said is it six and a half or just straight seven seven and a half oh mm, see that does change things vegas is pretty good um
0: I'd probably to be honest with you, I'd probably still have to take Pitt here Yeah. Um, Other games on the uh, slate here, Texas and Alabama. Um, My pick later on, I won't spoil it for you, but I got to say Texas had this game circled for a long time. Uh, You know, if you've been listening to this show, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid on Texas here, uh, even though I'll probably regret it. I have a lot of questions about Alabama's offense. And the lack thereof. And I think Texas is a more talented team here. But you still got to play Nick Saban. It's still Tuscaloosa. Primetime game and everything. Is Texas ready for the moment? That is the million-dollar question. Is Quinn Ewers and company, can they go in and get the job done? Are they ready for this moment, or is the moment too big for them? Because if it's a matchup on paper, Tom... Texas is the better team, but I don't know if they're ready for this moment yet.
1: I don't think they are. What's
0: the line? Uh, Alabama by seven. And if it was six
1: and a half, I'm taking Bama every time. Here's the deal. It's in Tuscaloosa. That's one. My One of my favorite petty moments, and I'm so glad Texas is getting the... I'm so glad Texas is feeling the wrath of this, because here's what happened. and And... It happened to it happened to OSU too. The last time I went to Austin, not last year but the year before, and it used to not be like this. Texas puts the opposing team's band in the upper echelon of the stadium, which you've never been to. If you've never been to Texas, the Texas is Longhorn Stadium. Um, Daryl K. Royal, then you just it's it's one of the bigger stadiums I've ever been to, and it's you, you might as well be in the fucking Atmosphere up in the upper atmosphere At that point being that high up So they put the band up there They did it to Alabama Um, You know when I was there They did it to OSU Um, Alabama Since Texas is not yet in the SEC And the SEC Has rules on this that they have to put The opposing band in the lower bowl Since Texas Is not yet in the SEC this is the last Chance Alabama can get To also put them up way up in the upper echelon of, uh, you know, Brian K. Denny Stadium. So, at that point, I'm like, you know what? Hell yeah, Alabama. Go out there and kick the dog shit out of them. Texas is getting a little bit of their own medicine. Um, you know, they've limited Texas tickets to the game in the same way that Texas has limited tickets when Alabama played. Um, Texas is getting a little bit of their own medicine and in and, and in a weird in a weird occurrence, I am rooting for Alabama to just kick
0: the dog shit out of Texas. Um, It's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, You know, if Texas is ready for the moment or not, and are they going to injure another Texas quarterback? They've done that the last two games against UT. We better
1: knock on wood. I don't like to see anybody get injured, but you have a good point. Yeah, exactly.
0: Oregon and Texas Tech, uh, Oregon six and a half point favorite. We'll pick this game later. Oregon, so, so talented. Uh, Bo Nix really turned a corner last year in the right direction. Texas Tech coming off that disappointing loss in overtime last week. And, and I think they were looking ahead. Tyler Schaoff looking to get revenge against Oregon and all that and everything. Oregon's a more talented team uh, than, than Texas Tech is. I think Texas Tech was drinking too much of their own Kool-Aid getting too uh, excited about themselves this year. I, I I like Oregon to go in and uh, and take care of business in Lubbock. Won't be easy. Should be a competitive game. But uh, I think this is one where Oregon pulls away in the fourth quarter.
1: I think it might be a little bit worse than that. I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Oregon by 16.
0: Okay. UCF and Boise State. UCF looked really good last Thursday night couple days rest uh blend on the short week last week now you go to Boise um and these were the two faces of the group of 5 for a long time and Boise State never got that chance to move up UCF now is uh you know a staple of the Big 12 conference and their future is extremely bright as the youngest power five program in the country uh Gus Malzahn's offense was really rocking last week Boise State Really, just got their ass handed to them by a pretty good Washington team, might I add, last week in Seattle. Uh, UCF, I, I think UCF's going to come into the uh, the Smurf, Smurf turf. I only, really, I know they're only a three and a half point favorite, but I don't see UCF having any problems with Boise State.
1: No, neither do I. No, I will say Boise State was respectful as a football team in the beginning of that Washington game. But you're absolutely right. UCF looked pretty good, uh, you know, on Thursday. Granted, inferior opponent, but it's not easy. That's a long journey, Jones, from Orlando to Boise. That might as well be going from New York City to L.A. Yeah.
0: Um, Houston playing Rice. Battle for the city at Houston. The game at Rice. Houston a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Houston won in controversial fashion last week against UTSA, an upset win at home, 17-14. to 14. Now taking on this Rice team, uh, just X's and O's wise, talent level on the field. That, that Houston team, I mean, they have their flaws, don't get me wrong, but they're a hell of a lot better than what, what Rice is going to put out there, Tom. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, Rice... Uh, what for the first quarter, they hung around with Texas, but I mean, it's a wrap, right?
0: Right. Now they, uh, they pushed around Texas's old line a bit. Rice did, but I mean, they didn't really do anything offensively and that's going to be an issue. TCU taking on Nichols, um, TCU last week, a valiant efforts. I want to see from TCU what they really need to do. We know the offense can score. But the defense needs to show that they can actually get stops. And Chandler Morris has cut back on the turnovers. He's got to get more accurate. In the two games we've seen him start, both against Colorado the last two seasons, he has not been accurate, hasn't been taking care of the football. We know he can throw it across the yard all day long, and he can score touchdowns and all that. But Chandler Morris, that's what I'll lead this offense, be the back of this team going forward. Plus, he's got to be more accurate. Quarterback. Yeah, Jones. I'd like to see more out of them,
1: and and I think this is a good chance too for Sony Dykes and
0: and that defense
1: too. To you know, they're playing Nichols, and was it Nichols or Nichols State that beat KU a couple of years ago? Oh, it it was same school, Nichols. Yeah. Okay, so I don't think that's going to happen here, um, and I think TCU. I like to see them bounce back and you know kind of dominate. So, I mean, I think they could I think they could blow them out of the water. Uh,
0: and then lastly, uh, we kind of talked about it in our hot takes, OSU and Arizona State, 930 game uh, in Phoenix. We'll talk more about it with Bill Haston here in just a second. OSU's quarterback situation, they're going to play all three quarterbacks, it sounds like, this weekend. I don't think this is going to be pretty, but Arizona State's not that good of a football team. I think this is just about survival for OSU. I think they go out there, they win this game, but they're not going to get any style points out of it. Like this, this ain't going to be pretty. The, the main goal, like you're not worrying about trying to impress the selection committee for the playoff or anything like that. You're just trying to get out of here alive with a dub.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's so. And and from what I heard from just the camp and stuff it. Sounds like they're going to play one quarterback a half and the other two the, the second half or however they want to do it. But um, I personally am sick and tired of that shit. You need to, that's why you have all offseason to figure that out. This is no time to experiment. They're not going to win the Big 12 or anything, but I'd like to see a better product on the field. And you mentioned Arizona State, not a great team, but. Um, I mean there's no reason OSU shouldn't win this game but I'm I am nervous.
0: Yeah. I get that. Uh totally do. So uh with that that is the uh Big 12 breakdown for this week. Uh Bill Haston going to join us next. We'll get uh, Haston's thoughts on uh, OU and OSU and the rest of the Big 12 coming up. Uh that on the other side. Stay with us. <laughs> Join us now on the Jones Sport this week, please, to welcome back to the show. It is Bill Haston from the Tulsa World, covers the Oklahoma Sooners, Oklahoma State Cowboys, University of Tulsa, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the great high school sports scene there in the state of Oklahoma, right. as well as he joins us right now. Bill, always a pleasure to uh, chat, my friend. How are we doing?
2: Good, Tyler. Uh, like I mentioned, when we were chit-chatting before you pressed play or pressed record, Uh, talking with you is a nice diversion away from watching the Rangers get beat again. So I'm, and I mean, Holy cow. This time tomorrow night, there will be uh, the NFL season will have kicked off. So we have a, a very interesting first weekend in the NFL. And then the college schedule for the weekend is off the charts, Colorado, Nebraska. I can't, I mean, I am so fired up to watch Colorado-Nebraska for both sides for, you know, reasons that apply to both sides and obviously uh, Texas-Alabama uh, Saturday night. And and OU-SMU is a compelling game because I'm not, you know, there's no uncertainty as to who wins the game. It's just how will OU look? Will OU be as efficient and as ferocious and as energetic you know, Saturday as they were last week against Arkansas State. I, I was blown away by OU uh, last week. I was blown away by both quarterbacks. Um So we'll see. I mean, that was a great first step for OU. OSU's game Saturday night uh, has the potential to be really funky uh but fascinating at Arizona State, who I don't think is very good yet, has a, a new coach. In fact, I picked OSU uh, to win this game, and, and my explanation in the pick in the paper was, in the time that Mike Gundy has been the head guy Tyler at OSU, Arizona State's had five different head coaches, and in the last fifteen years, um, OSU's won 140 ball games, and I, and Arizona State's won 90. So I just figured, you know, OSU's quarterback situation is pretty cloudy at the moment. I don't know what they have. I don't, apparently they don't know what they have, but OSU has an identity of program stability and they've been finding ways to win for a long time. And I think they'll find a way to win Saturday and Tulsa goes up to Washington. And I saw that one of the ESPN top ESPN college football people expressed the opinion that Washington may have the best offense in college football. So, um, Kevin Wilson had a great debut. Uh, TU had a pretty uneven first quarter, turned it over three times, trailed by seven, Uh, could have easily trailed by 14 or even 17, but got it together, 142-7 over Pine Bluff. So uh, Tulsa up at Seattle this week, hosting OU the week after that, Tyler. So um, interesting two weeks coming up for TU. And then, of course, the high schools around here are just ridiculously uh, intense and uh, interesting. And Jinx Union, Friday night, I'll be at that one. So, uh, just a super great Cowboys-Giants Sunday night. Holy cow. Uh, so, what a great, great first full weekend of football. I'm fired up for it.
0: I will not be leaving uh, my couch uh, <laughs> soaking it all in. I mean... Friday night, Jinx Union. I mean, my Jayhawks playing Illinois. Good college game, too. I mean right. that is
2: a good game. Right.
0: It's uh it's stacked all weekend. I can't wait for it all. Uh certainly gonna be fascinating to watch. Let's start off with the uh Sooners who you mentioned first. I was there Saturday, saw them blow the doors off Arkansas State, 73 to nothing, was very impressed what I saw with that Oklahoma team. And you know, if, if you looked at the box score uh bill it'd be hard to find any flaws with what oklahoma did but if we're gonna nit, get nitpicky and look at the film and such there was a number of times where did OU play great yes but arkansas state just made a lot of dumb mistakes and stood in their own way leaving never, yeah, missing, were... missing wide open receivers careless penalties and such like i can't wait from that game great win for ou but I mean, another team that has a smart coach, like an SMU or something, is probably looking at the film and said, wow, there were so many opportunities that Arkansas State missed on here that uh, might get exposed here pretty soon.
2: No, I would say, I mean, I don't think anybody came out of the OU opener with any sort of delusions that, oh, my Lord, uh, this is a top five team. They're not not, – I don't know how you could possibly know what they are yet. Right. And that's what I wrote actually that night was is we won't know really until October 7th, I think. We won't really, really know what OU is made of. We won't really know or, or have a clear definition of this team until you know mid evening after they've played Texas on the seventh. And by then, uh, because I I mean I expect OU, I mean, if you look at it, OU is going to be favored and should win uh each of its first five, the fifth of those five being. Now the fourth game, Tyler, is interesting now because it's at Cincinnati. Right? Cincinnati lit it up last week. They've got a new coach, they're rebuilding. They're I they're I don't think they're anywhere near where they were when they went to the playoff, but uh but I've talked to Tulsa people for years who say that playing at Cincinnati is tough. It's tough. And the fans are right on top of you, and they're very vocal and it's intense. And that's Cincinnati's first Big 12 game ever. So those people are going to be fired up to have OU in their house. Big the- noon and everything, yeah. First Big 12 game ever. And so uh, that's not going to be easy. And then Iowa State uh, the following week, and Iowa State has a history of winning games uh, against teams with deeper, more talented rosters. But, I mean, in Norman, there's no excuses. Come on. No, I mean, you don't lose that game. So OU should be 5-0 and going into the Texas game. I don't know what Texas is made of either. I mean, they they weren't very good for a half against Rice and then, you know, won comfortably. But uh, we'll see what Texas is made of Saturday night at Tuscaloosa and then certainly what OU is made of uh, by the end of the first six games, uh, that sixth game being OU Texas uh, in the Cotton Bowl. So, uh, But no, I mean, they just did Saturday against Arkansas State, Tyler, exactly what you're supposed to do. If, the, if that was golf, that would have been a uh, an easy par. Uh, I'm not ready to give them a birdie or an eagle for beating Ar- a bad Arkansas State team by 73. Uh, SMU probably will be. Uh, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, I would, I would, I would expect SMU to, to have a cleaner, better performance than what we saw from Arkansas State. But but again, no excuses. This in Norman, OU should win by a million. Uh, but how does it look? That's, right that's why I'm interested in the ball game.
0: you know and, and I come at this from an outside perspective, but when I looked at this Oklahoma team entering 2023 Bill, I looked at wide receiver position had some gaps the defensive line looked undersized uh you know kind of lacking athleticism. What are what are the issues you see that potentially plague this Oklahoma team uh, that could hold them back? Are those the things you're looking at? What what catches your eye, which could uh, stumble in Oklahoma's way?
2: I mean, uh, well, I mean, every if you're if you're good and consistently good, both uh, from a performance standpoint and a, a leadership standpoint at the quarterback position, it lifts everything. Everything's better when the quarterback position is reliable. And I was thinking about this Saturday is, you know, it does make sense that Dylan Gabriel would come out clicking at a nice level because, you know, this time a year ago, he had been around Jeff Levy only a few months, right? Well, he's been with Jeff. He and Jeff Levy have been sitting together in meetings and shoulder to shoulder on the practice field now for a year and a half. So it makes a lot of sense that Dylan Gabriel is ready to have a much better year and that, By now, too, you know all those guys in that clubhouse know him, trust him. Uh, The shock, you know, and a year ago too, they were still, they were still. I think I feel like they were still jolted by the shock of Lincoln Riley's departure and losing Caleb Williams and losing a bunch of guys, and and you know that was that was just a tough, tough, unexpected transition to have to make. Uh, But oh no, I. See you say what issues or what position groups or whatever am I watching right now most intently all of them, I mean I want to see their offensive line be able to control games. I mean think think back to five and six years ago, and literally every guy up front at OU ended up in the NFL. All of them. Yeah. I mean these weren't uh, undrafted free agents; these were drafted NFL level guys, and uh, I don't I do not see anything near that right now. Uh, only because, you know, they've got some new faces and there just isn't that body of work yet. But um, i watched the offensive line intently, uh, uh, the whole front seven of the defense, and and then just watch to see uh, how they are off the snap and then to say, okay, how how are they going to hold up against Iowa State? How are they going to hold up against Texas? How are they going to hold up against K-State? Wait a minute, they don't, do they play K-State? And I this is such Oh, uh, you
0: does not play K-State. No.
2: There you go. Uh Yeah, and, and OSU doesn't play Texas Tech Baylor and Texas. Yeah. Uh yeah. It, this is a this is an odd season. I'm I'm so it's like Gundy said Monday he was chewing out his a uh, couple of his assistant coaches. He said or not chewing them out, but talking with them in a meeting. defensive assistants and said, you know, if we make this mistake, whatever they were talking about, he said, if we make this mistake against TCU, uh, they'll kill us. And one of the assistants said, "Uh, Coach, we don't play TCU. So, uh, yeah, this is a funky year. Uh, No, I'm watching everything uh, from the front of the defense to the back and the guys catching it and the guys running it, blocking everything uh, at OU uh, because – I, I just don't feel like we're going to really know what they're running out there until the mid-season mark. So every game is a – I wouldn't say a prove-it deal, but it—but it's it, – well, not a prove-it deal, but, but it's certainly a, uh, you know, it'll be a revelation from week to week to week. And, you know, they should be better in two and three weeks from now than they are right now. Yeah. So they should get – they should improve. They should I – mean, they got to start – they got to – I want to see OU control games. Yeah. That's what I want to see.
0: I mean, hell, Bill. I mean, you go back to last year, they had a great September last season and things went downhill after that. So it's, were, a, yeah, buildings from here, the going. they
2: were sixth in the country coming out of the Nebraska game last year and dominated that game. Did one by, I think their first three, they won by right, uh, just about exactly 100 points, like 98 yeah. points. And, and then, uh, you know, lose at home to K State. And get whacked by TCU in Fort Worth. And then the Texas disaster and the season was broken and finished. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing I'm watching for too. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing OU have a rough patch over a quarter and a half or something. And to see how they respond, because last year, you know, I mean, how much how much uh PTSD do they have coming out of last season? because uh, they had, you know, so many tough games. And, and I mean, obviously a seven-loss season. Uh, But it, if they're cornered, uh, let's say Iowa State comes in and plays remarkably well, and it's a, and OU trails by three going into the fourth quarter. I'm not going to start – I'm not going to, like, panic and freak out and say, oh, no, OU's a fraud. It ain't like that because OU, Iowa State has done that to a lot of teams. But how do they respond? Can OU get three stops – And two scores, and go ahead and win that game. If Iowa State shows up and is great that day, Uh, so that'll that in itself would be a positive step for you to have to win a tough game like that, especially going into Texas.
0: I'm looking at Dylan Gabriel. You you know, Bill, I I cover the NFL for my, my day job now, and I see Dylan Gabriel as a guy that's got so much to gain. Not only for to make you know be the centerpiece of Oklahoma being a contender to you know, compete in the big 12 and potentially make the college football playoff. But if he plays well and continues to show, you know, how well he can be as a passer and accurate, you know, with arm strength, mobility, all that, he very well could play his way to be being an NFL quarterback here. I mean, the, the ceiling is, is up there. There's a lot that that Dylan Gabriel can grab on here.
2: No doubt. I mean, it's, it's the most important position in the sport and the NFL is, Starved for not only uh, guys who can start, but, I mean, how, how many teams in the league right now? I mean, I don't have the rosters in front of me, but, I mean, really, how many teams in the league right now have a backup who they truly would trust? Maybe the, five. How many? Maybe five. That's a good number. I would say it may, maybe eight max. uh I mean, like Cooper Rush. How many teams have a Cooper Rush? Not many. I mean,
0: you know, a few That's weeks ago, a five few weeks ago, everybody thought that the Patriots were happy with Bailey Zappi, and then he got caught a couple days later. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to gain for Dylan Gabriel. I, I'm, I'm
2: very. We'll oh, get a chance. Like, yeah, we'll get a the chance. There's no doubt.
0: I, I'm, I'm very fascinated. I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I, I hope that he. You know, continues to shine this year, and he gets that chance. I mean, if
2: what once that's I mean, that's that's the beauty of this season, though. Tyler is is like, I mean, if the season ended today, he would still get his chance. But he has yeah. a, chance, a chance to work himself way up, uh his way into the draft, and possibly even as a mid round pick, maybe higher. Even I mean, we've seen some weirdness in the draft. We saw I a kid take, I take him over Stetson Bennett right now. I can tell you that much. Right, we saw some we saw a kid from Florida who completed 53% and he was a top what top 5 pick top whatever yeah. he, he went. Um so yeah, I mean yeah, Dylan Gabriel's got personally a lot at stake uh and OU has the beautiful luxury of having a five-star backup who looked really good in the opener. So uh o, OU is beautifully outfitted at quarterback. And then at the same time, they're you know, those two guys completed like ninety nine percent of their throws the other day. OSU's got yeah, a three quarterback system that I don't. I, I there's no way Mike Gundy wants to play three guys, but I think he's. I don't think he's trying to be cute with the offense. I think he's trying to figure out who who he trusts moving forward. And I would think all three of those guys will play again at Arizona State. Saturday night.
0: So let me ask you then about uh about Oklahoma State after last week's uh performance against Central Arkansas. Where where's the uh panic meter at right now, you think at Stillwater? Um
2: oh, I think it's more of a disappointment meter right now. Uh just that because you know what you know what something they did at Stillwater this year for the first time ever was sell out. All of their season tickets are sold out in in the preseason. They have sold out in 2013. They ended up selling all of their season tickets, but it was like midway through the season before they hit that sellout point. They entered this season having sold all their available, every single season ticket on the board. So, uh, you know, to have a sellout crowd and you're facing an FCS opponent, Granted, a pretty good one, but still, it's an FCS opponent, Central and uh, Central Arkansas, and uh, and for your run game through three quarters, Tyler to average three yards a carry. After, I would say nine seasons of the offensive line being either average or below average. Uh, I think it's a uh, here we go again feeling right now for the OSU fans. Uh, with regard to the offensive line, because because I can tell you I was on the beat in during Mike's first seven seasons on that job, in, in that job at OSU. And from '06 through 20, I would say 2012, uh, OSU had the best offensive line culture in the conference. Fewest sacks allowed, led the league in rushing like all but one of those years. Uh controlled games won games because of their offensive line whether osu was like uh best of all time good at quarterback like where they were with brandon whedon or at, at times when they were just they just had a, like a, a nice situation at quarterback uh like they did in well in 2012 they had they rotated guys uh like crazy because of injuries and Same. still set a couple of team records, I think, that still stand for like yardage and whatever. So um but no, I, I, I think I think there I think it was really uh demoralizing for the fans to to have to watch uh such a a bland performance by the offense uh in the opener when that t- that crowd was ready to you know was ready to rock all night and just didn't get many chances. And then you have Gunnar Gundy Mike's son, come off the bench in the fourth quarter and lead them to two touchdowns. And for whatever reason, I'm thinking maybe on a hot night, maybe Central Arkansas's defenders got a little fatigued by the fourth quarter. But OSU averaged eight yards per rush attempt in the fourth quarter versus three through the first three quarters. So uh, does that mean that they figured out some stuff? And um, it just all clicked better. Or did Central get worn down by that point in the game? I don't know. But uh, I would say OSU certainly has a, a more speed and probably more guys you can trust in a game than Arizona State does. But Arizona State at least knows what they have a quarterback. They have a freshman who, like everybody wanted, and who was going to go to Florida until an NIL situation fell apart and he ended up at ASU. Um, so that's an interesting game that kicks off at nine 30 central, um, it's your conference game too. It as of next year, it's a conference game, right? Um, yeah, it's just, you can't, I mean, there's so many matchups on the board where, uh, either recently divorced programs are facing each other or soon or, or programs that are engaged to be married.
0: Yeah. Utah Baylor this weekend too. Yeah.
2: That's hey, that's an interesting game. Baylor did not want to go be a, go start zero and two, uh, and that, that was kind of stunning last week. They got Baylor got handled. They didn't just get beat; they got handled. GJ Kinney's a good coach. And my man GJ, man, he was a, a really good quarterback here at Tulsa for Todd Graham, Great. and one season for Bill Blankenship, Uh and got into coaching. His dad was a coach. And uh, here he is, you know, young – how would how old would he even be? He's like 34, 35, and he's a rising star of a coach. So, uh, good for G.J. down at Texas State. But, um, yeah, it's a uh, – you know, Tulsa has a new coach, Kevin Wilson, former uh, OU and Ohio State offensive coordinator. Uh, Tulsa had a, their starting quarterback throw two early picks and ding his ankle in the first quarter the other night, Tyler, and they brought in a redshirt freshman who hadn't gotten hardly, you know, any anything in the way of meaningful reps to that point. And that kid lit it up and had a great night, completed a super high percentage, uh, took care of the football, uh, got the offense going, and Tulsa wins 42-7. to So uh, it's my hope that when OU plays here in two weeks, that TU can stress them a little bit. I mean, I I don't. OU right now to me doesn't need to win seventy three to nothing every week. They don't need that kind of an opponent in front of them. They need to, they get, they need to get better, and you get better uh, by facing teams who are better than Arkansas State.
0: Yeah, uh, seems like you mentioned Oklahoma State with the the sellout that they uh, they got going on. With uh, I heard TU today sold out that OU game first right. time they've had a sellout since twenty. 20- uh, oh nine. I mean, just a lot of energy right now in the state of Oklahoma. I, I know OU, Point OU has a big part of that for both those schools, but uh, I mean, you could sense uh, just the excitement in the air all around, it seems.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Jinx Union play Friday, and that'll that'll be uh, that'll be a sellout. They'll they will they'll cap that at about 10,000, and there'll be every bit of that there. Um, no, I mean, I just think. Think about it too, Todd. The more we get removed, I, I think there was still a COVID pretty good COVID hangover in 21, 2021. And maybe there were even people a year ago who weren't quite ready to go back out, you know, uh into big crowds and be around people. I don't know. But now that we this is the third full season, well, 2020 obviously was tremendously impacted by COVID. 21 to some extent, 22, we're starting to really disconnect from COVID, uh, with regard to getting a football season played. And now it just feels like, like a lot of people and not just sports, but just, you know, I mean, concerts, I mean, TU had a, a big rock concert at the, uh, stadium a few nights ago, right? Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Alice Cooper. And, it was jam packed. It was full. Uh, so I just think people are ready to get out of the house. I think people are ready to get their lives back. So uh, in spite of, you know, uh, the impact of the portal on rosters, uh, I know it's it's a nightmare for coaches to try to manage a roster when they have such freedom to move. But And, you know, at the same time, too, <laughs> I was saying 8 months ago how are how are these athletic departments supposed to market their programs when there's so little retention on players and familiarity with these players and and yet Tulsa is way beyond where they've been on season tickets, OSU set a record and OU is at or beyond where they always are on season tickets. So I I mean obviously everybody loves football. But also, I think people are really energized uh, and ready to kind of put COVID way, way in our rearview mirrors. And and let's go. Let's get our lives back. Definitely. Definitely. So,
0: Uh, Bill, last year uh, when we were talking during the season, you were one of the first people that was all in on TCU and said they were going to win the conference. They didn't technically win the league, but, you know, they they went on college football playoff, of course. So I right. got to ask you, uh, I know it's very early, but what do you make of the, the Big 12 race this upcoming season? Texas is the favorites, but last week against Rice, they, they didn't look too impressive. I know there's question marks on that right. offensive line there in uh, Austin, and they'll be tested this week in Tuscaloosa. What do you think of uh, the battle uh, among those top teams in the Big 12 this year?
2: Well, I mean, I wish we had more – I mean, I wish we were talking about that three weeks from now instead of now. But, I mean, my pick to win the conference uh, on paper going into the season was K-State, to repeat. Uh, And I base that mostly on them being so beautifully coached. Uh, I just think Chris Kleiman is – I mean – it's pretty remarkable how K-State managed to find, uh, uh, I won't say a Bill Snyder clone, but with regard to keeping it steady and keeping it in, on a straight line, man, Chris Kleiman and Bill Snyder have a lot in common. Uh, I mean, right now, I would, yeah, K-State, it's a safe pick, which sounds crazy also to say that in a league with Texas and OU. Uh But to me, K-State is the safe pick. Uh, I kind of thought Baylor would take a step back. I really sensed that TCU, because TCU had a portal team last year, Tyler. I mean, they had so many new guys that came into the portal. What are the odds that that many new guys are going to come together over a period of a few months and gel like they gelled? I mean, so I certainly didn't. In the beginning of the season last year, I didn't notice. I didn't have any idea to think that TCU would be Uh, a factor at the top of the standings, but after watching them play two or three times, I mean, keep in mind, Max Duggan wasn't even the opening day starter. Right. Right. And uh, I guess Morris was right. And and, uh, Duggan has this season for the ages. So uh, right now the combination of having, you know, I met Will Howard at the all big, at the big 12 media in, uh, in Arlington. I had no idea. He was that big of a guy. Holy cow! He's a big man. He's he really looks like an NFL uh, quarterback walking around. So I think the combination of his experience and ability uh, with Chris Clyman's, uh coaching and and just steady man and they just don't beat themselves and they don't do stupid penalties. And, um, so yeah, that as we speak anyway. Uh, that's my pick to win it all, but to win the league, but. Um, Who's got the most talented squad? It's Texas. Right. Absolutely, it's Texas. Uh, so, just Texas, you know, that they're a seven-point underdog at Tuscaloosa. Um, and they played the heck, you know, they played the heck out of Alabama last year. So, um, that's must-see TV Saturday night. Uh, to get a real feel for where the Longhorns are, because I got to tell you, coming out of the spring game, I was a believer. And it's been a long time since I've been a believer in Texas. And even during the Sam Ellinger years, uh, I guess they had the 110 win season during those years, but I never bought Texas as a real threat to OU's uh, stranglehold on the conference championship during those years. I just never did. But I think Texas now, uh, I watched a special on the Longhorn Network coming out of their spring practice. And it just everything they said was the they said the right things, uh, and they just they're not dancing around saying we're back. They're not it's none of that stuff. Uh, and I do think Sarkeesian's a really bright guy. Um, so Texas wins Saturday, and you're like, oh my lord, here we go with Texas. Or if Texas plays respectably and doesn't. Uh, win Saturday how do they respond to a disappointment that'll be very interesting because there's been some recent seasons when they lost unexpectedly to like Maryland right twice twice to Maryland and then it just seemed to kind of break Texas's heart and maybe they didn't ever fully recover Uh, so how do they recover if there is a disappointment on Saturday and then of course if they win then everybody in Texas is going to lose their minds and and uh and we're going to have a heck of a year ahead of us we're going to have a heck of a year one way or the other i mean definitely you know, really good uh i think ucf's going to be really good um i i think there's i think the top half of the league is pretty competitive pretty good i do i think so too uh, I it's just not don't know.
0: I'm with you. I think Texas is really good, but they're not carrying the weight of the league here. I mean, there's a lot of competitive teams as far as I'm concerned. Last question. We'll end uh, on this, Bill. Um, the carousel that is conference realignment almost done for now, uh, waiting to see ultimately what happens hey. with Oregon State and Washington State. But with right. now that the dust is almost settled here, uh, what's kind of your thoughts on the way things went and how things ended up shaking out for for OU and OSU's position
2: here? Well, I mean, I was, I was actually talking in the office, our office yesterday uh, with a couple of guys, and I hadn't really thought about it in these terms yet, but I said, can you ever remember in the history of major college athletics a commissioner being as impactful as – Brett Yormark, ever. I mean, there's been some great commissioners in the Big Ten and the SEC, uh, but they kind of inherited always, they always were in a position of leverage, and they inherited healthy, powerful leagues, right? It's only a few months ago, it felt like the the Big 12 was pretty wobbly and might even fall off the cliff after OU and Texas announced that they were going to leave. So, what Brett Yormark did at the same time that the Pac-12 made some bad decisions, uh, not only did it save the Big 12, but, I mean, if, if if you're looking at a geographical, if you're trying to make sense of it geographically, you can't. It's impossible. It's ridiculous. But uh, if you're looking at viability and the fact that Brett Yormark scored a really nice TV deal that goes through 2031. Um, and you know, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, but it, it really surprises me and disappoints me that more people aren't upset or don't seem upset by the demise of bedlam. So I'm gonna really miss Bedlam. Uh, but I think the OSU people are really happy with Brett Gormark and what he wound up piecing together. Uh And that the revenue will be not only sustained, but a little beyond where it has been with the two big schools in the conference. Uh, I don't even know what to say about, about the PAC 12. That's shocking. Uh, You know, to have the LA schools go to the big 10. And then it felt like those were two massive dominoes that could, uh, you know, I mean, but think about it. That could have been the Big 12. What's happening with the Pac 12 right now, Tyler? That could have been the Big 12. So it's, either, Gormart, it's
0: either eat or get eaten,
2: right? Right. And Bray Gormart, man, he just came out. I mean, he just hits driver on every shot. He doesn't give a damn. I mean, he's, I mean, obviously he obviously gives a damn, but I'm saying he's not afraid to take a risk and my gundy said he's even had to like cuz apparently your mark talks a lot with the coaches in the league he goes he he texts he will text or call these coaches a lot and say what do you think of so and so and gundy said a couple times i've told him no, that's that's a little over the top let's not try that uh but i love that the commission that the conference has a commissioner who's a bold person uh and came in there with a history more in, I mean, he 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 did some big things with NASCAR, but I mean, more recently, he was in show business, right? Right. With JT. And so for him to come in there and navigate his way through uh, waters he had never been in before, so skillfully. And did Brett Yormark put the Pac-12 out of business? No. So uh, SC and UCLA did that. Uh, But did Brett Yormark, uh, I mean, he did what, I mean, you have to do. I mean, there were some nice commodities out west, and he went and got them. And uh, I'm telling you, uh, Utah, Arizona State, if Arizona State can ever figure itself out in football, uh, like I told you earlier, I mean, they've had five head coaches in the same amount of time that Gundy's been at OSU. Arizona State's got to get. Got to write that ship and have some stability over a long term. Because uh, that's a great market. I'm I'm more than happy to go to Phoenix. Oh
0: yeah, so I love Phoenix. I,
2: have, I have, Yeah, yeah. Not just for a bowl game, but I'm ready to go out there more frequently. Uh, you ever stayed at the Camelback, by the way, for a bowl game? I've not. It is. It is the nicest hotel slash accommodation resort situation I've ever had in my career. So. Brilliant oh yeah uh when whenever you can go when you have a reason to go okay to bar, that's where they put you 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 get to stay at the nicest hotel situation in the country for the price of a regular hotel so make sure you go all okay. uh, on your list I'm going to the final four
0: in April so I might have to make that happen so
2: where's the final four this year Phoenix Phoenix oh there you go well, really it's at Glendale, huh? It's at the stadium at Glendale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I that's, sounds that's like, right. like I know, that, but I didn't. uh what I've heard is like the media activities uh over the weekend are gonna be in Scottsdale and then they're gonna shuttle everybody to the uh
2: stadium in Glendale for mm-hmm. uh, these monophones. One of the great New Year's Eves of my life was in Scottsdale, so you'll you'll really enjoy going out. There. I, I thrive in Scottsdale, Bill. Uh, that that's that's my vibe, you know. I mean, just
0: I I I've, I, I feel like a mature twenty-one year old, you know, in uh in
2: Scottsdale. You know, the best of both worlds, even though I'm, you know, I'm well past that now. But no, I I, I love going out there, uh, and really, especially around bowl time, because the weather is amazing. Yeah like 58 degrees, 65 for a high, zero humidity, no wind. Uh, I never have taken golf clubs out there, but, you know, I should do that too. Uh, yeah. Well, uh,
0: we're out of time. Where, yeah. can, uh, where can people find uh, all your work and uh, what you're doing
2: uh, these days? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Bill Haston. Um, uh, and then, obviously, I write just about every day for the Tulsa World. TulsaWorld.com. Um, and uh you know what i'm really happy and proud of what we're doing with our staff right now and and we're we've had a great start to the football season we're going to have a great mid-season and a great rest of the year so uh Tulsaworld.com. looking forward to it bill appreciate
0: the time as always we'll talk in down the line
2: you're welcome see you tyler
0: Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagcast.com, oconnoradvisorgroup.com, and you can check out the Coach Bo Knows, knows Podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, uh, always a pleasure. to we get to chat, my friend, and uh, I got to say, I was pretty impressed. You had the one and only, the original Jerry Jones on the Bo Knows Podcast
2: this week.
3: Yes, not the uh, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, but my boy Jerry Jones. He's <laughs> a, a friend of a friend uh, who came in. We did uh, a couple of hours on on wrestling stuff, and it was fun. What was funny is that the, the big wrestling news of the year happened the day after we recorded. So when it came out, like we recorded that night, that morning, the news of CM Punk getting fired came out. And we were like, oh, we could have talked for an hour on that. So, so. With- it was well, interesting Good time. We'll be back. We'll be back at it at some point in the next few weeks.
0: Obviously, this is a football segment, but I got to ask you then for folks that may be curious: Where does CM Punk go from here now? Well, he's
3: going back to WWE. I think. I think that's a done deal. I think it'll be a short term, like like a, like a one year deal. But I thought I him he... and Vince had a beef. Uh, they do, but I think since Endeavor now owns them, and Endeavor is gonna Endeavor will pay the money. For 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 buzz, and that guy has buzz. Yeah, they'll make look in the end. Money makes everything right in that business, right? And At, that's in every business. business.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: and that, you know, especially in that one, and they they will get it. If they as Richard and you just say, get the thing in the ring, and that's what'll happen. That's my guess.
0: Uh, Bo, the uh, football fix this week. We'll begin with our picks. Last week, you and I, good start to the year, not bad. Seven and three for you. Six and four for me, we'll take that every time. Uh, no complaints on that end. Uh, but now we head into week two, and here is our slate of games this week as we now introduce the NFL side of things as well. Uh, the college slate includes Texas and Bama, Bama seven-point favorite, A&M and Miami, uh, A&M favored four and a half, Oregon and Texas Tech, Oregon favored by six and a half, Nebraska and Colorado, Colorado favored by three, Utah and Baylor, Utah favored by seven and a half. On the NFL side, Detroit and Kansas City, Kansas City favored by five. Buffalo and the Jets, the Bills favored two and a half. Giants uh, and Cowboys, Cowboys favored three and a half. Niners and rain- and uh, Steelers, uh, Niners favored by two and a half. And then Dolphins and Chargers, Chargers favored by three. So that is the board this week. Bo, let's go ahead without further ado and get started with the college side, Texas and Bama, Bama favored by seven. What are you thinking here, Bo?
3: Okay, so this is where you get like all the overreaction. Um, You know, last year, this was a great game. It was a lower scoring game. Uh, Texas really beat Alabama for three and a half quarters last year in Texas. Uh, if you remember that game, Bryce Young at the end just took over in the last five, six minutes of the game and made sure Bama won. Um, I think it'll be a little different story at Alabama. Now, I don't think Alabama is going to uh, score a big number. But I think what we're going to see is Alabama's team, right now, their offense, uh, if you watched them this past week, they put up a high number late, but they've got a quarterback situation there. They don't have a high-powered offense that's you know spread it out and throw it around the way they have the last couple of years. They want to run, they're getting back to running the ball more. Bama will run the ball more. They will run the ball and shorten the game. Now that would actually, in my mind, play to Texas because Texas can score quickly, more quickly than Bama can. But Bama's defense is excellent. I'm gonna take Bama, and I seven is about the most I'm willing to let. Like if this were 10 points, I would take Texas. If it was even eight or nine, I'd just kind of stay away from it. This is probably the highest I'd go. I'm going to take Bama what well, I think it's going to be something like a, a 32-25 kind of game.
0: I'm going to go with, uh, with Texas. Uh, I've been high on the Longhorns all year, their talent level. I think they're the more talented team than Alabama, which sounds crazy to say. Uh, but Quinn Ewers I think this is coming out party they're going to come out motivated uh, chip on their shoulder after losing last year's game I'll go with Texas to not just cover seven uh, as an underdog but to win outright get the upset uh, on the road so I'll go UT there Uh, Bo next on the slate Texas A&M and Miami A&M favored by four and a half Bo I don't feel great about this game either way what about you
3: I also do not feel great about this game whatsoever, um, and a lot of it is A and just don't know who A and M is. You know, they got this offense. They got you know they've got the um, the new offensive coordinator, and it's like, okay, well, let's we'll see if they can score some points. They put up a bunch of points week one. I'm gonna begrudgingly take A and um, I just don't know that Miami's quite ready to be. There'd be a better team right now. I'm going to take AM, but this really hurts me to say this and to take them. Uh, I think they're a little better team right now, and I do think they'll score some points in this game.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with A&M here. I don't feel good either way, but just on paper, they look like a more talented team than Miami is uh, at this point in time. Obviously, uh, coaching's a big part, and you know, we could see you know, Mario Cristobal out coach uh you know Jimbo Fisher when it's all sure. said and done, but I'll go with that AM uh as the uh safe pick, if you want to call it that. And this one the, uh four and a half. My
3: biggest concern is does AM if the AM's offense turns the ball over a couple times, then they're in trouble. Yeah. That's what I'm really looking at.
0: Uh number 13, Oregon taking on Texas Tech. The Red Raiders suffered an upset on the road at Wyoming on Saturday night. Oregon uh, dominated uh, last week. Bo Nixon company, they're back. They go on the road to Lubbock. Bo, this Texas Tech team had a lot of hype entering this season. We know Lubbock's not the easiest place to play. Can the Raiders, Red Raiders, bounce back here, or is Oregon going to be too much to handle with them favored by six and a half?
3: Well, you, it's a perfect spot for them to bounce back, going back home after the upset. You know, losing to Wyoming, not playing well. you got a really good team coming in. Oregon is one of, I think, four teams in the Pac-12 that are capable of going to the college football playoff. Um, I was really impressed with Oregon this past week. I'm taking Oregon. I bet they win this thing in double digits. Um, I think six and a half is kind of a gift, so I'll – I'm going to take Oregon in this game, and I, I do realize it's at Texas Tech that is why it's as low as it is, but I'll take Oregon.
0: I was so disappointed with Texas Tech last week. Offensively, uh, they couldn't move the ball. Uh, Tyler Shaw really struggled. I lost all hope in Texas Tech. Like They got exposed. Uh, they're going to have some problems. Oregon, I hate to trust Bo Nix, but – I mean, they're they're talent on both sides of the football here. I'm going to go with the Ducks to win and uh, cover that uh, six-and-a-half-point margin to get the job done on the road there at Texas Tech. Nebraska and Colorado. Colorado, a three-point favorite at home. The debut of Coach Prime in Boulder. Nebraska coming off a Thursday night loss on the road uh, against Minnesota where they just fell apart in crunch time, led the entire game practically. Uh, Colorado with the big upset win of the weekend uh, going down to Fort Worth and the way uh, Sanders and Hunter and company played, that offense was just outstanding. Bo, what do you think about this game here? It's a rivalry game, too, I might add, between Nebraska and Colorado here. Do you think that could this go one of, could we see a scenario play out where Colorado is living too much on the hype of this past week? and Nebraska uh, responds after that loss last week in in the extra days off, play to their benefit. Can can we see that come together where Nebraska pulls off uh, an upset on the road here?
3: That's what anybody who doesn't like Coach Prime is saying right now. Yeah. Um, But I'll tell you why. I got Colorado. I think Colorado's going to roll this game. Um, You know, again, I was willing to pick Colorado last week, so – I'll tell you what I noticed watching Colorado this past week. Not only are they just athletic as hell, and they got a great, they got a good quarterback and the, 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 the two, eight kids who are names coming off my brain here in a moment, but uh, uh, played a phenomenal game. But what I also saw was that this is not just a athletes making plays. Prime doesn't have a whole bunch of athletes. He has a bunch of football players. There's a difference. And what I mean by that is, I watched a few of the play. I watched the whole game, but I saw a few of the plays. And what I really saw was the screen game. Um, Edwards, Dylan Edwards, the running back, who you and I actually called one of his games, a couple of his games during high school, and we were wowed by him in high school. Um, He had that big game against Devin Neal, where he actually outplayed Devin Neal in that game significantly. I saw the the way they ran their screen passes. And what I saw was linemen that knew how to block and running backs and receivers that knew how to follow that block, not just use their athleticism. What I'm seeing and what I translate that to is that it means to me that, yes, there's a lot of flash with Deion Sanders, you know, prime time, coach prime, all that. But in the end, he's doing the little things on the field. That's a talented football team. They are what we, what we thought they might be at the end of a season. They already are. They're at home. They're going to beat the holy hell out of this team. Nebraska is not talented. They're not nearly as talented as Colorado is. And frankly, they're not as well coached. Give me Colorado. This is the easiest game on our slate to pick this week. I'll take Colorado. I'll lay the three.
0: Uh, For me, there's two things that stand out in this matchup, both. One, you have a Nebraska team that struggled to move the football offensively last week and a Colorado team that struggled defensively. Uh, Can Nebraska get their offense rolling? Can they take advantage of maybe the flaws in Colorado's defense outside of Travis Hunter? Uh, that's the only way that they're going to have a chance to compete in this game is if that offense can actually do something. Uh, but that said, Colorado is the more talented team um, across the board. That offense, I think is going to be one of the best offenses in college football. If it isn't already, uh, I think Colorado wins this one by double digits. I'll go with the Buffaloes to, to win and cover uh, that uh, three point margin. Utah and Baylor, this game in Waco Baylor, Upset by Texas State last week. Utah, with an impressive win against Florida, did so with a backup quarterback. Cam Rising likely still not going to play this week either. Utah favored by seven and a half on the road. Bo, uh, credit to Utah for willing to play, be willing to play back-to-back weeks of power five teams to open up the season. And Baylor uh, not going to have their starting quarterback. Blake shaping he's out for the next Few weeks here. So, a couple backup quarterbacks. uh How does Baylor respond against a very good Utah team here?
3: um Look, it's, it's a home game for Baylor, first off. Secondly, Dave Aranda is a really good coach. um And I think that they are going to play better than last week. But having said that, they have no shot at winning this game. This was probably the second easiest game for <laughs> me to pick this week. I love Utah. I watched Utah. Again, this week, I remember watching them a lot last two seasons. Utah is tough. Utah is physical. And they're better at home. They're going to win big games at home in that conference. And that's going to be a tough place to play when they come to the Big 12 as well. But they're going to win this game, I think, going away. I like everything I've seen out of Utah. I'm going to take Utah. I'm not even going to look back. I wish it was seven, not seven and a half. But uh, so if I was if I was going to be actually placing a bet, I would probably buy the hook off. But uh, yeah, I I like Utah. Utah is one of those two or three teams I was extremely
0: impressed with in week one. I don't think Baylor is very good. I think Utah is really good. Um, and Utah, as impressive they were last week, still made several mistakes. Things that they can improve on. And tighten up here. i like Utah to win and cover seven and a half and go away with this one. Let's move to the NFL now, Bo. Uh, Let's start with uh, the opener. Thursday night football, Lions, Chiefs, Chiefs favored by five. At the time of this recording, it sounds like that Travis Kelsey is probably not going to play after hyperextending his knee. Chris Jones also not back yet, still holding out in in that whole scenario. Chiefs shorthanded. They are at home, though. They are the Super Bowl champs. It is ring night and everything here. Detroit, remember, they're without a few guys due to suspension from the gambling stuff. Uh, What do we think here, Bo, with Kansas City favored by five?
3: So when this was six and a half a few days ago, I, I was still taking Kansas City at the time. And I was saying, well, I figured this game is a five and six point, a close game all the way through. Detroit's going to have to play an almost perfect game to win, even without Travis Kelsey on the field. Um, I don't know that the, the Lions can score a lot of points. So they're going to have to get after Mahomes, and they're going to have to put him on the ground a few times. I think is one of those games where it's close. It's like, you know, it's a three-, four-point kind of game all through the game, and then number 15 has a cape on that nobody else has got. And I think that's the end. I think that's what it ends up being. Is if you give him an extra possession somehow, and the Chiefs pull it off. What I don't want to see if I'm Detroit. Detroit needs to be up by by eight by nine or more, with you know seven or eight minutes to play, and make it a two score game. Uh, if not, they're in trouble here. Uh, but I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs minus the five. That's a gift compared to six and a half. Well, I can see Detroit coming and playing this game, though, running the ball well, see what happens, and just play that defense. If Aiden Hutchison can get after Mahomes, if he gets him down two or three times, that's the difference in this game. But the big if again, I think it's easy when you got 15 to just say, okay, we'll keep it close and you win it for us at the end. But guess what happens? Give me the Chiefs.
0: I like the Chiefs to win. I like the Lions to cover. I think five is too much. Bo, we've talked about this a lot that the Chiefs even as towns they are and everything, they don't cover that often, actually. No, they don't.
3: But But I kind of like that it's five. It's under a touchdown. A lot of times they weren't covering last year. It was 11 and 12 and 13. They were getting overvalued in a bit the last two
0: seasons. I'll go with Detroit. I think Goff is going to play well. Uh, I think that – uh, we're gonna see Detroit's offense go toe-to-toe with Kansas City for the most part, but I'll go with Kansas City to win the game, but I'll go to Detroit to cover five. Uh Bills and Jets on Monday Night Football. The Bills favored by two and a half on the road, the debut of Aaron Rodgers and Gang Gring. Bo, what do you think about this one here?
3: This was the hardest of the NFL games. I just don't know who the Jets are yet. You know, I love that they added Aaron Rodgers to that team. I like what they're doing with that defense. They're at home, you know. I my brain tells me the wrong team is favorite here, and to pick the Jets. But in the end, I like that Buffalo team. But I don't know if they're the same team they were last year. That team at the end of the season, the last week, last month of the season, weren't the dominant team they were the season before, and the first half of the season. I'm going to take the Jets plus the points here. And it's just, I think the home field, I think that the athletes on the field, I think the better athletes are on the Jets team. There's no, um, no bad weather to make it a Buffalo kind of game. So I'm taking the Jets. Oh. I don't have a good feeling about it, but I'm taking the Jets.
0: All the hype around the Jets and everything here, I, I think that the the Bills are being undervalued. They're being ignored, and and I, I think that Josh Allen is going to come out guns and blazing. I know that there's been talk about Stefan Diggs if he really wants to be there or not, and and everything. I think the Bills are looking to send a statement that they're here to play. We saw how well they opened up the year last year against the Rams uh, on Thursday Night Football. I like the Bills to win and cover two and a half here uh Cowboys and Giants in New York that'll be on Sunday night just the night before that uh Bill's Jets game Cowboys favored by three and a half on the road in New York Bo what do you think here
3: wrong team favorite I think the Jets or the Giants are a better team than the Cowboys they're better coached they got the better quarterback they got the better run game I like the Giants give me the Giants and, and, a, and a field goal plus
0: I like the Giants here too. I like them to win outright. Uh, there, at I home, do too. I think that they'll establish the run with Saquon early. They'll play good on defense. Uh, look for the Giants to win this one, and and I can see them flip the cover here. I can see them win by four or five. Uh, yeah. Honestly,
3: I yeah, I it's hard to pick against home dogs in the NFL, and you're gonna give me the field goal and a hook. I'm just gonna take that all day. I do think the Giants are going to win outright but it's, I mean, safe pick is to go ahead and take the, take the points.
0: Uh, Next on the uh, docket this week, uh, we turn our attention to the 49ers and the Steelers. This game in Pittsburgh, uh, two second-year quarterbacks in Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy. San Francisco favored by two and a half on the road. Uh, Bo, what do you think here?
3: Okay, so this is going to surprise you. I'm taking Pittsburgh. I'm taking Pittsburgh outright. This is going to be the first in many collapses for the 49ers this year. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers at home plus the two and a half. Ooh. I think they're going to win it outright.
0: Okay. Do you like this Steeler team this
3: year? I like them better. I, I think I don't think Kenny Pickett is a – he doesn't pass our test to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. But I do think he's a solid starter Pittsburgh has the better quarterback in this game. And I think that San Francisco is going to have some problems. I really do. And I think the Steelers, with, with Kenny Pickett being who he is and what they're going to try to do offensively, they're not going to try to get him in a five-step drop and sit in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. And that's going to negate the pass rush of the 49ers. So that's what I like about the Steelers here. Um and again, I think the four names are going to go into collapse mode. I do not have them winning the West this year. Um, I just don't think they're as the strong a team as they have been the last two seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll personally, you know, the, the way I look at this bowl, uh, I know that the Niners have been kind of an afterthought of sorts, like kind of pushed to the side. Everybody's expecting a letdown of sorts. I, I, I think Kyle Shanahan, I'll take him over Mike Tomlin any day. I, I think he's a better coach and. That they're going to find a way to move past all these, you know, issues and everything. You know, everybody's talking about Bosa and you know Purdy over Lance and all that. I, I like San Francisco to win and cover two and a half on the road. Much better team, I think their roster is a lot better than Pittsburgh is. Miami and the Chargers, Chargers favored by three here. Uh, the game will be in Los Angeles, Bo. Uh, both teams, I think, are kind of borderline playoff teams entering twenty twenty three with the Chargers favored by three.
3: I think the Dolphins are kind of the forgotten team over there in that division. There's a lot of talk of the Jets. a lot of talk about Buffalo. And they got to all play each other. And so they're going to all give damage to each other. But I like the Dolphins. And I like the Dolphins plus three here against the Chargers. I also may like the Dolphins outright. I think I'll wait to see how that goes. But I'd give me the Dolphins here plus the points
0: uh yeah i'm gonna in, in this one i was i was leaning either way it was very tough for me to go either direction but i i honestly think this is Bo a one or two point ball game that could go either way i think three is too much for the chargers i'm gonna go with miami uh to, to cover that uh three-point margin as my pick there so there you have it those are our picks for this week Uh, Here on the Jones sport and Bo let's go ahead and uh, dive into let's start the college football side of things week one you and I were were talking about this uh, we were texting back and forth on Monday night and the big frauds the losers of the week Clemson LSU and TCU and all for different reasons tell me about those three teams and. Just went, okay. what went wrong for them this, this past weekend. So, such disappointing efforts from all three. Well, let,
3: let's start with my LSU Tigers. Let's get it out of the way. Um, I am beyond disappointed in LSU. That was a horrible effort. And, look, I know they had the 17-14 lead at the half, but they turned two times inside the five. It was at the one, I think it was the one twice, or the one and the two where they give it up on fourth down. I'm not – I agreed with both times going for it. What I didn't agree with was the play call. But the play call was atrocious on both of them. Um, you know, I was watching the game with my son, and he says, Dad, if you can't get one yard running the football, why are you going for it there? And I was like, exactly. Right. Like just, and not moving the thing around and read option, Just pound the football, especially in college with the bush push. I mean, just put three big guys in the backfield – Run him up the gut. Run him in a gap, one side or the other, and push. Um, I thought LSU got totally outcoached in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I thought Brian Kelly had no idea what he. I think he is. I still don't think he has an idea of what his offense is. He's never been an offensive guru. He's gotten a lot out of a little. I think he's the greatest coach in Notre Dame history. So I've given him a lot of credit in the past. But I think that he was horrible. Um, offensively, they didn't have a clue what they were doing. Didn't try to throw the ball down the field at all. Too high safety piece was way uh, – Jaden Daniels was afraid to throw the ball inside the hash marks at all. Fourth, uh, they had a really good plan for how they handled it. I thought it was genius, actually, how they did it. Uh, with using those two safeties, bringing one up at the, right at the at the play at the call of the line, and now you've got basically one deep with one medium, uh, it scared the hell out of LSU. They were prepared for it. Defensively, LSU lost the line of scrimmage, which I've never seen. I've never seen LA even against Alabama. I've never seen them just get road graded at the line of scrimmage, and they did it both sides of the ball, frankly. Um, but also. LSU had no um, use for they no way to stop the counter. The extra blocker and just had no way to stop it. It was a poorly coached game. No adjustments made at halftime, offensively or defensively. Um, I'm surprised it didn't get worse. To be honest, the way it was going. Um, Once it got to 24-17, I looked at my son Peyton and I said, "If LSU does not score here, this game is over." Yeah. And when they put it, I looked at him and I went, they can run up 50 on him now. It's going to happen. So, um, really poorly coached game. LSU is going to be like they were under Les Miles in a way. Uh, Les Miles teams are more prepared than that Brian Kelly team. But what I will say is that you're going to see them beat the hell out of bad teams, they're going to play bad teams. Like the, the, not bad, the, the mediocre teams, the middling teams, they're going to beat the hell out of those teams. But if they play like this, they're going to play Bama. They're going to play Texas A&M. Uh, they're in trouble against those kind of teams. They're still going to win eight or nine games, but they're going to lose a couple of games they really shouldn't because you have no business losing. Yeah, um, it's For a team that the expectation was the college football playoff, they have zero chance now pair of tickets. They're done. The other ones uh, you mentioned Clemson um, um, and TCU. TCU. Let's go to TCU first. Look, TCU lost a quarterback that was dynamic. He's not... Uh, Max Dugan was not a QB that was just going to light it up numbers-wise where he looks like he's going to be this pro prospect, but he kept him in games, made lots of smart decisions, and they hit big plays last season. That's they don't have that now. Texas, Texas, um PCU is gonna make a strong pullback. And I don't think that them losing to Colorado is gonna look nearly as bad as people think at the end of the season. Yeah. I still think Colorado's gonna lose some games. And I'll get to that. I'll talk about that real quick. I think when you look at it, there are four, maybe even five teams in the Pac-12 that are excellent. USC, I questioned their defense a little bit. They were better this week. Colorado is just hell of. You would say they're athletic. Yeah. Every player is a football player. Yeah, they're going to have problems with Oregon when they play Oregon. Oregon's excellent. Utah is excellent. And the one to watch, the team I was most impressed with this past week, was the Washington Huskies. Yeah. I mean, Washington is a CFB. I think mean, they could be in the college football playoff. They might be able – they would be in any game with anybody in the whole country. And I was extremely impressed with them. Uh, the third one you mentioned was
0: – TCU.
3: TCU. Oh, we've been talking about TCU already. TCU, oh, and – Clemson. Uh, Clemson. Uh, the Clemson thing didn't surprise me. You know me. I'm I'm an anti I'm anti Clemson. I really don't like, um, I can't think of Dabo uh, Sweeney. I can't think of Kirby Smart. I was like, Smart's incredible at George. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is not, I'm not a fan, as you know. Um, he got out coached in every which way in that game, but Clemson does not have the horses they did a couple years ago. I think you texted Timmy, and I don't remember the exact quote, but it was like in the, in the, Time of NIL, they're the anti-NIL team.
0: I said that they are, um, in this day and age, they are the BlackBerry trying to survive yes. the iPhone era. In the iPhone
3: era. That's what it was. I like, laughed my ass off when I heard that. And when I heard that, I was thinking about that because it's true. It, it, Dabo, Sweeney's trying to hold on to an idea, Nick Saban had this happen to him a few years ago. And that's when he started getting offensive coaches to come in, started with Lane Keffen, and he started bringing in offensive coordinators that would help him kind of make the offense to the next to the next generation. Dabo Sweeney's going to have that issue. He wants to be something that's not going to be a successful mix because there is no players that fit that anymore. And I think Clemson's in a lot of trouble, and they play – They played Duke, who is not a great team. Uh, I don't think Duke's going to come out there and win nine games. But I do think Duke is a a good team who showed that they got a talented quarterback and they got a good coach, and they're going to be competitive throughout the season. In the end, Clemson may have a better record than Duke when it's all said and done. But there's a bigger dog out there in the ACC right now that's going to hunt both of them. And when Florida State comes to play, goes to play uh, Clemson, that's going to be like a crime scene
0: when it's over. Is Florida State the best team in the country?
3: No, I I still think it's Georgia. Um, I want to see what happens to the QB, and I'm going to tell you now that I, if USC's defense was good, if they were like they they had as, half as good a defense as they did do on offense, they'd be my number one team in the country. Buddy, I am so impressed with Washington. When I squint in my eyes and watch Michael Penix Jr., he looks like Steve Young out there, like 49er Steve Young. And he's left-handed in the whole thing, and I'm just like, God, that's a pro quarterback. right? And he may steal the Heisman Trophy from Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is the best player in the country. I don't know what Ohio State's going to be. So they're going to play two quarterbacks this week because they're not real happy with their offense right now. If they get settled in, they're going to be in the argument. Georgia will be in the argument. Bama will be in the argument once that quarterback gets some experience. But I – so I'm I'm hesitant to call one team the best team. I was super impressed with Florida State, though. And I don't think that LSU – LSU is going to try to claim points if Florida State goes undefeated, which they they will. Florida State will run the table from here. Through their regular season and through the ACC. I don't know what happened in the playoff, but before that playoff, they will run the table. That was four 6 one test. Um, from there, that was also really impressive. For his quarterback,
0: Jordan Travis. See yeah. What he
3: yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, is he a fifth year guy? Sixth. Sixth year guy. Okay. I thought I heard fifth or sixth. Okay.
0: They're talking about the poise he had and confidence, all that. Like, well, I would hope he's been in college six years.
3: Hey, look, he, he kind of looks like an old man a little bit. And I don't mean old man. I mean like you can experience guy. A guy who knows – he knows how to take one step instead of two. Yeah. You know, a lot of young quarterbacks take two steps to get away, and he's just taking the one and getting rid of the ball. It, that's something that's you learn through experience. That's one of the things I liked about him. Uh, we're going to see. I'm not going to sit here week one and go, here's who I think is the best team in the country. I just gave you five or six candidates, but uh, Florida State is going to be up there in the end. I I think Florida State ends up in the football in the college football playoff. Now. that's going to be too good a win beating up LSU to avoid them not making the football playoff. What well, that,
0: you've given yourself some wiggle room now. You can lose the game in the ACC and be okay, yeah. As
3: long as you beat Clemson, win the championship, right. Those are the two things they got to do. They do those, they're in the playoff. Yeah. Don't, you can drop one. Don't drop two. You can drop one. If, if Miami gets it. Or, um, or if Duke were to get them. I don't think they play Duke or not. But, you know, if they if someone bites them and beats them, you know, 31-30, you know, that's something I could see happen. But good question for forces yeah. team in the country. One
0: more note on the college side, then we'll move on yeah. to pro football here. Um, since you and I last talked, Cal, Stanford, and SMU officially joined the ACC. Thirty percent revenue share for the next five years. Cal and Stanford, no revenue for the next nine years. For SMU, media sh- revenue anyway, as they join the ACC. Basically, SMU is joining the ACC on a uh, unpaid internship, uh, is the way I look at it. Uh, Both those three schools in the ACC, you know, you you add money to the pot for those existing members. Uh, it is a financial gain, but it is a short-term solution for a long-term problem. The ACC TV contract still sucks. The granted rights they're still tied till till twenty thirty-six, mm-hmm. and you have most of your members that don't want to be there and are trying to find their way out. Um, what do you make of the uh, the latest moves here in the ACC? Okay,
3: so one, I'm surprised. I did not think that the so it took that group of seven that was thinking about leaving they think they must think that right now they don't have a legal leg to stand on to get out yes um, i understand there was three teams that voted against it my understanding is that was florida state
0: clemson and north carolina is that correct right nc state was the vote that flipped yeah
3: so and i think that's because nc state is praying the acc stays together now because they're the one without a chair in the musical chairs if the acc does break apart I'm frankly surprised that one of these other schools that would be able to get to another conference, like a Miami, like Louisville, didn't vote with it uh, because it would exasperate the problem and exasperate the ending of the ACC. This is a Band-Aid, but it's a Band-Aid long enough to
0: keep the ACC together. Right. And we'll see what happens from there. In those three football programs, you know, Stanford's AD was asked, you know, why, why do you guys do this? And I'm like, we have no choice. We have to play power five football. We have to go somewhere. Um, But if you're the ACC, okay, sure. You added the revenue pot and you help your, your existing schools in recruiting by getting in the state of Texas, getting California. But as far as the on-field product goes with Stanford, Cal and SMU, none of those three schools are relevant on the national stage at all right now.
3: No, no. and, I don't know why the ACC did this other than to try to make them placeholders to hold this thing together long enough to, to sort of outnumber the sent, the people who have the sentiment of wanting to leave. I think that's what it ends up being, is that it's three votes to keep the conference together. The, the, the thing that this conference will need in the ACC, if they're going to move forward, they're going to have to figure out a way to get out of their current media deal and into a new one. They're gonna to have to figure out a way to add Notre Dame permanently for football. They're gonna to have to figure that out, and if they can pull that off, if they can pull Notre Dame off, then the media rights thing will change. But I'm not sure that'll happen. I, like I said, I I find the whole thing that was this was the one that, that the one thing that has happened that I didn't think was going to happen. The other ones we all saw coming this one i thought the 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 seven four of them would block it turns out three you know showed their hand played their hand and nc state backed out showing where they where they're really at. they're not at that power set that seven group anymore but i would have thought that you know again miami louisville um the other one i was thinking was um virginia i thought one of the three of them would get in cuz they're ones who can fit somewhere else Pitt is another one that I thought, yeah. yeah, they'll find a spot. Pitt and Louisville are built for the Big 12. That's just a perfect fit. Right. It's all said and done. So I would have thought they'd have been like, hey, let's get this to get, kick them out. We got more votes. We can destroy this thing later.
0: Yeah. Uh, to the NFL now. Uh, Bo, give me your Super Bowl pick. Who's in the game and who wins it?
3: Uh, I have the Philadelphia Eagles with the best record in the NFL this year. That's the best team. I have the Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I have the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Tell me why. Best team from 1 to 53. Best GM in sports, in American sports. If they do have a problem come up, they're going to find a way to solve it. They can play their brand of football offensively that nobody else can do. They can hit you with quick with the, with the quick strikes with their, their their wide receivers, or just physically and athletically take you down with the run game. They're by far to me the best team in the NFL. They're also going to have the easiest run in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, because unlike the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Jets. Um, the Ravens, you can talk about in there as well. Um, the Dolphins, everybody in the AFC. There are seven or eight, named them, quality quality teams that are all contenders. And when the playoff time comes around, every game will be a battle. The Eagles will coast to the NFC playoffs. I don't see there being a problem at all for them. And then I think they'll be healthy. I think they they have an attack that can change the way the game is played. In the AFC, I like the Bengals. I like them because of one man and one man alone. I know that Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, but Joe Burrow wants it. Joe Burrow is going to win the MVP as well. I think he's going to win the MVP. Everybody in this world knows Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world. Joe Burrow gets on the field, and he believes he is. And I'll take a guy who believes he is. He's got weapons. Here's the other thing about it. He hasn't signed an extension yet. I think in the end, he's holding this thing hostage. I think it's get me the pieces, or I'm going to end up going somewhere else. They've got pieces. They've got a run game. They've got wide receivers. That defense will keep them in most games. I think in the end, you've got Buffalo, the Jets. They're going to be battered. They're going to be war- they're going to be battle tested, but they're also going to be beaten up and battered by having to play everybody in that division. The Bengals have the easiest division of the top teams.
0: Yeah, they have to
3: worry about the Ravens. And the Steelers are going to be an improving team, but they're not going to be a playoff team. And I think the Browns will improve a little bit. But they won't be a playoff team. And I think in the end you put the Bengals and the Ravens on the field, I'll take the Bengals every time. And I just think that the Chiefs, they've got question marks. I'm not even talking about the Travis Kelsey thing. That's huge. We don't know the extent of his injury. Look, he might play, so he might play Thursday. Who knows? But if he's out for any 6 period of time, that's going to hurt them. It's Chris Jones' thing. I also think the Chiefs have taken, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I think they've meant to take a little bit of a step back this year. I think they won that thing last year when they were trying to win it this year, and they haven't made the deal on Chris Jones, which tells me that maybe they're not all in to go get it. Mahomes is good enough to get you there, and they're going to be in every game, and they're going to have a chance. I just think, in the end, no matter what seed whoever it is, I like that the Bengals think they can beat everybody in the league. They almost did it again last year. They almost beat. They, that's the one team that even the Chiefs would tell you they fear.
0: Yeah, I just thought the Bengals got worse this off season. I didn't like them losing the starting safeties and and I think
3: they brought in were good pieces. I think that, and again, yeah, I think that, I think number nine is. Is what 15 is. Now I think Patrick Mahomes is better. Yeah. But I am and, and I think that he has the best weapon. Yeah. In chase. And then you got Boyd. I mean, they're gonna be in any game. And and he's rested. <laughs> you don't have, he hasn't had to play a preseason game. He hasn't I, I don't think he'll have much rust. I think they'll come out and be good week one. And I think they'll I think they'll roll that division. I don't know they're the number one seed. I mean the Chiefs, if the Chiefs or the Bengals will battle for the one seed, I don't think the one seed comes from the East. Yeah. But in the end, I think the Chiefs drop a couple of games, uh, just because regressing to the mean.
0: Maybe so. Let me ask you this. A couple more things in the NFL front. Um, Chandler Jones today uh put out a a series of posts on his Instagram story that he went in and deleted saying that he wanted out Las Vegas. He didn't want to de- deal, want to play for uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler anymore, Ziegler there with Las Vegas. He then since deleted said post. Uh The Raiders are a never-ending circus. Chandler Jones, arguably one of their best defensive players, and now he wants out here. Uh, they just got through the Josh Jacobs saga, got him back, now what's going to happen with Chandler Jones? Could he turn into a, a potential trade piece? Could somebody end up with Chandler Jones here? Maybe. I,
3: I, I mean, I I think that's what the coaching staff will want. I think that's what that head coach will want. He'll say, if he doesn't want to be with me, get him out of here. Um, and I think the Raiders made a huge mistake hiring Josh McDaniels. You know, I know that he had – you want to think that Josh McDaniels learned his lesson in Denver – and then went back to get under the Belichick tree. To me, Josh McDaniel should have stayed in New England because he might have been the head coach in New England when when Belichick retires. Yeah. Uh, And I do think that that's just a shit show. And, yeah, Chandler Jones could end up being someone you get for a fourth-round pick in week four or week five. And an aggressive GM might get that done. And you know who's an aggressive GM? That guy in Philly. Mm-hmm. Like I guess that. Howie Roseman's the best GM in all of American sports. Worth every penny. I'd pay that guy more if I had, if I had to keep him there. Yeah, the, yeah. I think Chandler Jones might be traded. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Donald was traded this season.
0: Early, yeah. they're not going to be good either. In, in Tennessee, we we we've talked about this too. The reports are that they're playing kind of like a a baseball concept where if they suck, it's going to be wholesale at the deadline. If they're in contention, they're going to be aggressive and be buying.
3: Yeah. I, I, I don't see a problem with that. I, I think right now, if you're in the AFC, especially, if you're not one of those top six or seven teams, and you know who they are. I mean, they are the, they are the, the bills. They are the chiefs, the bangles, the, the jets. I would include in that. I would include the Dolphins in that as well. The Ravens. Uh, you, the Ravens, I think it was Lamar. I think that the Chargers can be included in that with, with Justin Herbert. Um, So I, I don't know how that will all shake out yet. But if you're not one of those teams, you're going to be in trouble. It's going to be a difficult hill to climb to make the playoffs. So I think that in the end you gotta look at it that way and say, okay, well, what's gonna happen here? So I would I would venture to say we're gonna see like the Titans doing. Yeah, why not? Why not trade some of those players if they're not well? You know, come week. What's the trade on? like week?
0: What week is that? Uh, like? It's Halloween. It's October thirty first.
3: Okay. So you're two months in. Yeah, you're eight weeks in, you're gonna know who you are. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see.
0: Last thing we'll end on this uh, Sean Payton uh, talked this past week, uh, did a, uh, an interview of sorts with Bleacher Report uh, about Russell Wilson and uh, encouraging Russ to care less about his public image saying, will you F stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office. We know that Russ rec- personally recruited Sean Payton. He wanted him to be his head coach. It, what do you think of that messaging is is Sean Payton you think already getting tired of Russell Wilson or or is he trying to make a make a point to his quarterback in trying to get his attention what do you, what do you think of, of these two is there already problems you think potentially I don't think this
3: is a problem necessarily I think what this really is is Sean Payton saying he look you can be. And I think Russell Wilson can have a really good season, and maybe even a really good second part of his career here with Sean Payton if he just lets Sean Payton run that offense through him. Russell Wilson has those skills. The stuff that Russell Wilson does well translates. I do think that it is a situation where he's saying, "Hey, you know, again, quit kissing all the babies. I get it. You do what you want to do, but." At the same time, we need you here, and we need we have a chance to ascend. Look, in the end, if you're the Broncos, and I do think they're going to be an improvement. They can't be any worse than they were last year. They will improve. You're in a division where the Raiders are awful. They're just a, a, a they're a dumpster fire. The Chargers that we really don't know. They got the young QB. They gave him the contract. Justin Herbert's really good. But there's a, maybe a better roster in Denver. Certainly, a better coach. And you get the Chiefs, which you're not going to beat. The, you're not going to beat them for the division. But could you knock them out once in a season and get you some momentum? Have lost 15 in a row. 15 in a row to them. That's the message he has to be sending: is we've got to go get them. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Broncos, the message is loud and clear. We have to knock off the Chiefs. We have to beat them. One of our two opportunities. Whatever else happens, we're probably not going to the playoffs, but we've got to give them everything we got. And Russ, we need that to be you. And and you do it for this season. And then if you do it, we can build the rest of this around you and give ourselves a chance moving forward. Because there'll be some shuffling in the cards next season as well. And we'll see what happens. If not, Sean Payton will change quarterbacks. He will, if he does not like who he's got, if he doesn't like how the table is set, he will flip the table over.
0: And even with that money that Russ is getting paid, like management has got to sit there and say to ourselves, we can't accept two bad seasons. Like yeah. not even just Sean Payton, but any GM has got to say enough is enough yeah. if that happens. So- yeah,
3: I think this is kind of a bump in the road. And if anything, it's more of a, Sean Payton saying, "Hey, let's center up what we're thinking about and get this shit moving."
0: Right, and it's a humility thing. I mean, he he took away Russ's office. Um, you know, he's not letting Russ have his own quarterback coach there anymore. You know, I, I think it's a humbling of sorts. But uh, before we go, what's uh, coming up on the uh, podcast this week?
3: We're gonna do okay. So we've got uh, one coming out tomorrow, which we've already recorded. Uh, Ellen and I kind of reviewed week one in college football. We did some baseball talk as well. Um, And then we've got uh, Uncle Rico coming in. Uh, We'll be doing that Friday and getting that ready for everything, your your full NFL preview, which will be a lot of fun. We'll have already had the the game, the first game with the Chiefs when we record, but we're going to get that Friday, and it'll be a blast, and it'll be fun. So lots of football. Football season's here.
0: No doubt. Ball, appreciate time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Take care, Tyler. Alrighty, folks. Time for everybody's favorite segment. It is our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculous, absurd happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, I've
1: never been to this city, but you have. Um and so you can I'm I'm ready to hear your opinion on on just your time there. I'm sure it wasn't terrible because you're still alive, but Jones, we're taking Tom Fuller this week. We're going to Chirac, baby. We're going to Chicago, Illinois.
0: Yeah, city.
1: yo baby. We are Chirac, Chiran, Kanye's hometown. If you didn't see Kanye, speaking of Chirac citizens, uh, Kanye did get banned from Venice, uh, from a Venice, um, one of those boats you take for getting head on the river. Um, if you didn't see that, that was pretty crazy, but. This might even be crazier than Kanye getting head on the river in Venice Italy.
0: More power to him by the way.
1: <laughs> he yeah there was it was on video. Well, you couldn't really see anything but you knew what was going on. So um you know, that's uh that's gospel album Kanye for you. But this this comes from CWB Chicago TV and Jones, This I, I worry about you. Doing this because nobody's safe, obviously, at this point. TV news crew robbed while reporting on get this while reporting on Chicago robbery sprees. Armed men targeted at least 30 people in about 12 hours. Chicago, the armed robbery problem has become so bad in Chicago that armed robbers this morning robbed a TV news crew doing a story about an armed robbery in Westtown. That unbelievable development came as at least 30 people were robbed or carjacked during sprees between Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. So, listen, people, you can take a break for Labor Day, but that doesn't mean the robbers are laboring on Labor Day. What a shame. And no, Chicago police have not announced any arrests in connection with the latest crime waves. A reporter and a photojournalist were preparing to do a live shot about the latest robbery spree, when a holdup crew rolled up to them in the 1200 block of North Milwaukee shortly before 5 a.m., so Jones, not only is it not late at night, it's also early in the morning. They say crime doesn't pay, but they're working OT, baby. Um, without I- identifying the victims as a news crew, a Chicago—I mean, if they're on a, almost a live shot, we know who the fuck got robbed. Um, a Chicago police spokesman confirmed that a 28-year-old man and a 42-year-old man were outside in the 1,200 blocks of North Milwaukee when a black SUV and a gray sedan, so they're working in tandem. Yeah, this is Chirac. Pulled up around 4.53 a.m., three men got out of the vehicles wearing ski masks and displaying guns. They took the victim's personal belongings, went into their work vehicle, and stole the station's camera. A source familiar with the crime confirmed adding the victims working for Univision. They are the second Chicago neat TV news unit to be robbed this month. This month? This month. (laughs) (laughs) So one time wasn't good enough to make Tom Fuller, but two times that's the charm. Third time's not even charm here. We're giving you two times earlier. A woman was carjacked on the same block. Police said three men got out of the blue sedan around 12 or 10, 12 p.m. Sunday. So these crimes were on the same block. They were six hours, seven hours apart. One pointed a gun at her and took control of her white Ford Escape. The Sunday afternoon spree. A burst of robberies hit Wicker Park in Bucktown on Sunday afternoon. Based on the description of the Fender's getaway car, a gray Nissan with heavily tinted windows. Officers believed it was the same crew responsible for a similar crime spree on Saturday. Sunday's afternoon holdups began around 2.55 p.m. in the 18th block of West Cortland. Chicago Police Department spokesman said a 54-year-old man (coughs) was parking in his garage when two robbers exited a gold Nissan Altima. What's with these Nissans? Don't pull up to a Nissan and you're getting your shit jagged. That's the lesson I'm taking here.
0: Shift the way you move.
1: I mean, yeah, it's something about those Altimas. That's the ultimate baby mama car. Um, My mom used to drive an Altima. I mean, your mom is a baby mama. I mean, at least she's a buried baby mama, though.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and her kids were from the same dad. but And took <laughs> and took property from him and a 22-year-old woman. That, whoa, 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 wait. Okay, so we're going to – I'm just – this is Chirac. So this has got a lot of different – they didn't say his daughter though either. But shoot, let me reread this. Let's run this back. A Chicago Police Department <laughs> spokesperson said a 54 year old man was parking in his garage. This is about 3 p.m. on Sunday. In the he middle, he was going to park. He was going to park in his his garage when two robbers got out of a gold Nissan Altima and took property from him. And then it doesn't say his daughter or anything like that. And a twenty two year old woman in his car. Wow. Is that his daughter? Is that his sugar baby? Right. What is the fifty four year old doing with a twenty two year old?
0: Great question.
1: I'm I'm more interested in that. I figured they would say with his twenty two year old daughter, if it was his daughter. Here you go. This continues. This is why I haven't been to Chirac, Um, part of it. More incidents quickly followed. Several masked men robbed a woman on the 400 block of North Carpenter around 4 p.m. A group tried to rob a man in the 1300 block of North Wicker Park around 4 or 5 p.m., but witnesses intervened and offenders fled. The crew tried to take a white SUV in the 1100 block of North Hermitage around 410. That effort also failed. So look, it sounds like they're about two and two right now. Uh, another robbery attempted attempt was reported near Bloomingdale in Winchester around 4.20 p.m. Hey, officers who responded said they spoke with a neighborhood security patrol officer who saw a delivery driver get robbed, but the victim was gone when the cops arrived. So he was in on it. Yep. The group apparently tried to carjack another vehicle in the 1600 block of West Chicago around 4.30. That attempt also failed. So, shout out citizens of Chicago or Chirac. It sounds like you're f- at least 500 on the on the, on that day. As the robberies were un- unfolding, a Chicago police officer radioed that they saw the crew's getaway car traveling on Damon near Wabasia around 4:12. But the cops also radioed that they were neither following nor pursuing the vehicle full of armed men. What? Why not? That sounds like a hell of a Sunday. Um. Night and this is this continue, Okay, I'm not ever going to Chicago. No. Nighttime crime wave. The nighttime crime wave began around 9:45 in the 2200 block of West Hirsch. Police said a man and a woman were robbed by two gunmen who exited a dark sedan with guns. Robbers repeatedly punched the male victim before escaping with the couple's valuables. Five minutes later, a 67 year old man at Oak. Okay, okay. Johns, what's going on? What's the uh? <laughs> who's the guy? Brian Winhorse, what's going on in Chicago? Right. What's going on in Chicago? Five minutes later, this is at night, at 9.50. Five minutes later, a 67-year-old man and, get this, a 29-year-old woman were robbed while walking the 2000 block of North Hoyne. CPD said three men jumped out of a blue sedan with handguns and took their property before they punched a male victim before fleeing. Moments later, the same crew battered a 35-year-old man who refused to give up his property in the 2100 block of North Police said he was taken to St. Mary's Hospital for treatment. Chicago police said he was in good condition. Around 1031, two men robbed a 44-year-old woman and a 23-year-old woman at gunpoint in the 13th block of West Randolph. The offenders kicked the younger woman when she refused to cooperate. She was taken to Rush Hospital. A doorbell camera recorded this robbery in the 800 block of North Damon. The timer on the footage indicates that it occurred a little before midnight, but we could not immediately confirm the time display is accurate. They do have a video of it. I will watch it here in a second. In the 2100 block of West Ohio, a man was carjacked at gunpoint around 1045 p.m. Chicago police said he was exiting his black SUV when a gunman walked to his driver's door with a handgun and took control of the vehicle. About five minutes later, Two armed men robbed a 33-year-old man in the 3,000 block of North Lehman, Lincoln Park, in the Crosstairs. After an hour-long break, robberies started popping up in Lincoln Park, each involving four or five black males armed with guns and wearing dark clothing and ski masks near Lincoln and Armitage around 11.40 p.m., followed by the 200 block of West Eugenie, the 2,600 block of North Mildred, and near the 1,600 block of North Mohawk. In the loop, a 24-year-old man was targeted around 12.27 a.m. Police said he was walking in the 600 block of South Wells when Fortman exited a dark sedan and told him not to move. He ran away. Shout out that guy, but he was fast. That followed by a robbery reported in the 1700 block of West Superior and another in the 1300 block of West Monroe. I am, I'm sounding like fucking Google Maps over here with these, with these names. This is this has gone a long way longer than I expected. The story, but I have to continue. The show must go on. Around the time the news team was robbed, more holdups were reported. The 1900 block of West Fulton around 4:40 a.m. followed by the 300 block of North Claremont. It's been more than a month since Daniel Lisapata the first promises constituents that police had a concrete and collaborative plan to address the relentless robbery crews that had been victimizing residents of his ward and neighboring areas. While police have had some success, the robberies continue unabated. Robbery reports are up 22% this year, but some areas, particularly Humboldt Park, West Town, Logan Square, have been especially hit hard. In the Austin district, of which includes West side, the west side of Humboldt Park, robberies up 107% this year. By the 28 days ending Monday, robberies were 322% higher than the same period of last year. The Shakespeare District, which includes the eastern part of Humboldt Park, Logan Square, Westtown, Bucktown, and Wicker Park, and parts of Avondale, is seeing a 49% increase in robberies. The last 28 days were 190% higher than last year. All right, we're going down through here. I think that's just about it, Jones. I wasn't trying to give you... I feel... You know, I, I sound like fucking Lori Fulbright right now. Um, You know, talking about these crimes... This is crazy though can you you've been to shyrac Jones you didn't see any robberies or any holdups
0: or anything like that uh, I did not I will say though um the first time I went to shyrac uh I was staying with uh, my buddy Colton who you've you met before and uh Colton was just fresh out of college at the time and let, let's just put it this way. He wasn't making a ton of money, and he was living in uh, this house that he was, like, staying with some friends, and uh, we were in the hood. And I remember waking up one morning, and I'm like, I literally said to Colton, are we going to get shot, like, trying to get to where we need to get to go? I mean, like, I was, I, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie, but... When uh when I went back to Chicago for the NASCAR race this year and, you know, walking around Wrigley and everything, like I, I felt very safe and enjoyed Chicago. But, man, it, it would be tough trying to live in Chicago, trying to survive on those streets. uh No thanks.
1: I mean, that's pretty crazy. I mean, even it sounds like if you – here's my thing, and maybe I'm a little biased because I'm fixing to become a Texan. If that type of stuff I feel like happened in Texas, a lot more of these maybe. I don't want to be the guy that's like good guy with guns because I'm a, a staunch liberal. Um, but I am a 2A supporter. But it just feels like, now don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be the stupid one that's like, hey, I've got a gun that has 10 bullets in it and I've got four other guys that have guns aiming at me. I might not be that stupid but if some loan attacker comes and tries to steal my car, if I'm upside down in my car, then yeah, I'm going to let him take it and cash it on the insurance money. But at the same time, you're not pulling me out of my car if I have a piece on me or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but it just seems like if you live in a city where robberies are this high, why wouldn't you be more armed?
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, it's uh, it's not easy to be trying to get a gun license in Chicago. There's, isn't there, a, a gun ban in Chicago?
1: I mean, I'm sure there is, but it doesn't sound like that at this point because everybody else has them. So, right. even if you had an illegal one, I mean, by any means necessary, I mean that's that's still pretty crazy. Like robberies up three hundred percent in a month. Like. You know, they need, they need, like, Batman to come in and start kicking some ass.
0: Man, it, for a news reporters, trying to your job and getting robbed, I mean, like, goodness. No. Yeah, and those cameras aren't cheap. I don't know who they're going to sell them to on the street. And, and, and by the way, folks, if you're trying to rob from a journalist, I'm going to tell you right now, journalists – are probably not the ones you want to be, uh, want to be robbing, because they're not full with as much money as you would think. I mean, in that, and it's
1: like, golly, that's like, you know, robbing a news reporter doing a news report, it's like robbing a, like, not rob, it's like not robbing the grocery store, but robbing the clerk who's bagging your groceries.
0: Exactly. um, Man, and just how uncommon it is elsewhere, Tom, like, I think it, it, in Kansas City, the only time I, I remember like a journalist having to you know, be a victim of crime of sorts was uh, during the George Floyd protests. Uh, a lot of these station cars were getting lit on fire in Kansas City. It burned to the ground. Um, that's the only thing I can think of in recent memory of something like this.
1: But not getting held up at gunpoint.
0: All right. Yeah. So Jones, are we
1: are we fair to say we are, uh, uh, maybe not an anti-ShyRak, but we are not a pro-ShyRak show.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say we're we're not maybe, here. Maybe not
1: anti. I'm sure they. I I know for one, Jones, you had your first shot of Mal- Malort in Chicago, and I know that was not an enjoyable experience.
0: Uh, the Chicago Handshake. You know what the Chicago Handshake is, right? I know
1: it has Malort in it, and I know that tastes like literally taking a, a, a shot of piss mixed with cigarette ash mixed yeah. together with some sort of something
0: else horrible. Cigarettes. So Malort, you take a shot, the, the Chicago Handshake, you take a shot of Malort, and you wash it down with old style, which is like Chicago's version of a PBR. And I mean, it's not pleasant, but you feel a part of the culture. I mean, you feel like that you're gonna get shot next in Chicago. I mean, that's that's the feeling you get when you take down a Chicago handshake. Um, with that said, like I like visiting Chicago. Uh, it's like a gang initiation. Exactly, it is a gang initiation. You're part of the Chicago gang. You're one of us. Uh, you still
1: might get shot.
0: <laughs> You still might. In fact, you probably will get more likely to get shot. Um, I, I like Chicago. I like to visit, but just with everything that goes on there, I mean, it, it would be tough to live in that city.
1: I mean, it sounds like, what do they say? I know my parents used to say, which I am a sinner in this regard because they used to say nothing goes happens after midnight. Well, Fifty-five percent of the week, I am out after midnight. So,
0: I think most of the good stuff in life happens after midnight. That's what I'd like
1: to think. Um, not in Chicago, though. If you're not going to the farmers market at seven thirty in the morning, you're not even safe at five a.m. Going to get breakfast in an IHOP, right? You're you're, you're, you're not definitely gonna- not safe doing a news report at five a.m
0: uh coverage you can count on you know five <laughs> robberies <laughs> you can
1: count on chicago nine
0: tom uh real quick what is one city you would never live in the u.s um i know my answer but i want to hear yours first Who? that's a girl oh, oh
1: man that is a good question because it would be dependent on the job that i would be doing in that city so but one one that I would have really no no want to live in as a city that I've visited in enough times, probably Houston or
0: l a okay you, you, you you're thinking too big uh I, this city for me it, it's okay, so Provo I don't want to ever live in Provo okay because you're biased against Mormons, sure yeah. My my answer, like I would, I would easily, I would. You couldn't pay me enough money in the world to go live in El Paso. Uh, oh, that's a good choice. I'm not being close to that border, you know. I'm not dealing with that heat over there either. I mean, I love the state of Texas, but I, I would live as far away from El Paso as possible.
1: Mm, that's fair. I don't think I would live in. I guess another big city I wouldn't want to care to live in, Seattle. Portland, I wouldn't want to live in. Actually, my sister is currently in Portland. And at the time of recording this, she just texted me. She said, I don't think I'll ever come here again. Really? She said it smells like piss and a lot of people are smoking crack or heroin or fentanyl out of foil packs literally all over the street, she said.
0: Good lord.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I've heard Portland's bad too just but the cost of living's so high and the only thing they have going for them is like they've they've decriminalized drugs which sounds like it's not working in their favor but they have decriminalized weed or I think it's oh, it's definitely legal there which is cool. It's illegal here too in Oklahoma. Uh, they've decriminalized other hallucinogens but doesn't sound like it's working out too hot in their favor at least for my nurse my nurses My sister, that's a nurse's perspective, but Jones, another city that I probably, I don't know, man. Like, I've never been to New York City, so I don't want to say that I would never live there, but I feel like it'd just be too much. I like
0: Maybe cost of living too high. I went on vacation to New York once, and it wasn't even really vacation because there's so much you're trying to fit in and do. I mean, yeah, but I guess
1: if you live there, maybe it would be different but i don't know like i you know i probably wouldn't live in a south dakota or north dakota city i probably wouldn't want to do that like Uh, i wouldn't mind i've been to twice i wouldn't mind boise
0: i would not live in in north dakota for reasons that i won't stay on this show I'll. I'll,
1: I'll... oh oh god no (laughs)
0: um
1: but, like, I don't know. I would probably move to West Virginia. Or what? I probably wouldn't move to – like, I would – here's one. I'd never move to Washington, D.C. Swamp. And I and to be fair, just to own up on it, I would never move to Chicago.
0: Okay. There you have it, full circle. Uh, that'll do it for uh, this edition of Jones Sports this week. Uh, big thanks to Bill Haston for stopping by, Coach Bo. You, the listener, as well. Make sure to subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Uh, also, follow us on social media Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Instagram Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, Twitter. Uh, Insta, uh, you can find Tom at uh, Thomas underscore bridges, Tyler Jones Live, Studio underscore soapbox, Studio soapbox on Facebook as well. Uh, we'll see you back here next week. Check out the rest of our show, Studio Soapbox Network. This show, Let's Go Racing with David Starr, uh, as well as the uh, Coach Bo No Spot, All that and more uh, on the network, and uh, we certainly would appreciate it. Ford Thomas Bridges, Coach Bo, Bill Hates, our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This is another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week.